Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Over there to my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. It's the last off-season show. Uh, it's the last week of doing one show per week, which is very exciting. Of course, uh, after the show, we will have real Major League Baseball to talk about. We kind of have real baseball to talk about on this show, too, uh, yeah. which is very exciting. But it's the last off-season show. Very cool. Yeah, we definitely have some MLB level uh, baseball to talk about that happened. You know, it, it did happen a little bit ago. I mean, we recorded and then two uh, really good WBC games happened. Yes. Um, uh, with the uh, Japan-Mexico for the semifinal and Japan-United States. Um, I mean, we could briefly talk about uh, Japan-Mexico because that was a really good game. That was probably the best game of the entire tournament. Um. Yeah, it it was, you know, Mexico got out to a, a 3 nothing lead. Japan um closed in to make it uh 3 to 3 on a Masataki Yoshida three-run homer. Um then Mexico made it 4 to 3 uh and and then 5 to 3 at some point or did they Yeah, no, yeah. I think it was yeah. Yeah, it was uh Yeah, it's it's at some point Take a look at the box score. Might have been five to four. Uh, f- they made it five to three, and then Japan made it five to four in the eighth, okay. and then in yeah. the bottom of the ninth, um, Munataka Murakami. Yeah, Murakami, who's like my new like guy to look for in Japan. Yeah, he's your he's your twenty twenty six whatever team player to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm I'm really disappointed that we're probably gonna have to wait a while for him to potentially play in america if he ends up doing that yeah because i you know i had no idea who the guy was up until that semifinal, and and uh, like right before the at bat i looked up his japan stats and i'm like oh my god <laughs> he had what like an 1100 something ops last year yeah it was like 1160 or something and yeah. that's that's in an that's in a league that had a a 668 league ops last year so if if they measured OPS plus, it would probably be like two fifty something. Yeah. Last year, and he had fifty six home runs, which people mentioned. Um, and he hit the uh, he hit the game winning two run double, uh, to send it to the uh, to the final. Yeah, he did. Uh, Roki Sasaki also pitched in that game, who is a twenty one year old who threw eighteen perfect innings or no seventeen perfect innings at one point last year consecutively. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be posted before the 2027 season, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, so so many stars on Japan that right. a, a lot of people were talking like, after the final, a lot of people were saying, how would this team do in a 162-game MLB season? And I was like, bro, they just beat the team of MLB All-Stars. Yeah. What do you mean, how would they do in 162? <laughs> yeah, they'd win 120 games yeah. at, at the minimum. Yeah, no, it, yeah, like, that's that's a silly question. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very silly question. Um 
but yeah, that that was fun. And then yeah, the next day, um, I mean, everyone talks about the final out, but that was also a a, a good game out there. Trey Turner hit another home run um, to put the uh, to put the U.S. ahead. Only one run was scored, not a home run in the final. Yeah, it was an RBI ground out that made the difference. Take that, new rules. <laughs> Babip is is not a factor, and then uh, Murakami hit a home run. Oh, he smoked that ball. He was hit 115 miles per yeah. hour. So it I, was one we were both watching, and as soon as he hit it, we were both like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." And I mean, I guess I guess I was sort of rooting for USA, but not with a great passion. I was so. just, I was just rooting for like a game that we were all yeah, talking about. Right, and we got exactly that. Yeah, I I was there was no feeling of of. Uh, when USA lost for me personally, I know, I know, you know, people watch the game differently, but, uh, when, when, when Murakami, Murakami hit that ball, I just started breaking out in laughter because it was hit so hard and like, you know, it was pulled, it was hit 432 feet, but pulled. So it, it went second deck. I'm pretty sure. Oh, it did. Uh, Kyle Schwarber also had an at bat where he hit like 1776 feet worth of fly balls. Yeah. Because he hit two foul balls that had the distance to go out, and then he hit a, a another second decker off of you, Darvish, who he also got in the playoffs last year for like 480 feet. Yeah, that yeah that <laughs> one was hit 436 feet. Yeah, like <laughs> like people talked about like you know Madison Bumgarner owning Clayton Kershaw. They talked about like uh, what Rafael Devers owning Garrett Cole. Yep, yep. Kyle Sh- Schwarber owns you, Darvish. Yeah, for at, at least. At least in terms of projected distance, he has yeah. that. He could have, he could be two for thirty-six lifetime against you, Darvish. That's <laughs> what we'll remember about that matchup exactly for, for, for the present moment. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, ultimately it came down to that final final at bat. Mm-hmm. What what was going through your mind with with that? When I'll tell you what wasn't going through my mind was Japan is one out away from winning. Yeah, <laughs> that was the least amount of my. I was honestly very nervous throughout the entire at bat because I was like, okay, this is a once in a lifetime like matchup we're getting here. It's got to be good because there were so many ways it could have been very anticlimactic, and that was the only thing going through my mind every single pitch. But we got the ending that we deserved. Oh yeah, could you imagine just uh uh. First pitch roll over to third. Is that exactly? <laughs> but if you if you go back and watch the at bat, Mike Trout takes the first pitch and he was never swinging at it, like because he knew this can't end after one pitch. Yeah, that's fair enough. Even just any field out would have been lame. Right. Yeah. E- yeah. Even if it was that it, three gotta, two, yeah. yeah, three two uh, payoff pitch, and it's and somehow like Trout rolls that slider over to like first base, and it's a unassisted. Uh, ground yeah. out like that just wouldn't have been cool I was so nervous watching Otani versus Trout because there were so many ways it could have ended like not in a cool way but it did the only things I would have accepted are were a base hit or a strikeout yep yep and we got the, the latter of those two yeah and I mean a home run would have been would have would have been absolutely nuts but a yeah. strikeout was a great but also you're asking someone to hit a home run off Shohei Otani that's very true yeah he didn't didn't allow him very many home runs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, the, it's super cool. It's once, yeah, once in a lifetime and less uh, potentially Otani's not there next year. 
um, mm-hmm. where to where we could see it. Well, more after often. the game, after the game, they asked Trout about it, and he said he won round one. Yep. Yep. Implying there will be more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, who knows? Like, you know, I guess Trout's what thirty one, thirty two right now. Yeah. Um. So you know, I mean, who knows how much longer both of them will be in their prime at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. So that's true. But I, you know, Trout's not really outside of health. Trout hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. He's yeah, always he still had. He still hit forty home runs last year in four hundred ninety nine plate appearances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He in in a non qualifying season, he hit forty home runs, mm-hmm. put up a, a nine ninety nine OPS in a low in in the in a season where it was the lowest offense offensive numbers league wide since twenty fourteen. Um, by yeah. the way, the I don't know if you saw this, but so Mike Trout swung and missed at all three of the strikes. He's only done that in twenty four out of his six thousand something plate appearances. Um, so that was very special for Shohei. Obviously, also the slider on strike three, unbelievable, absolutely filthy. Oh yeah, it was <laughs> like he couldn't have located it any better. Like uh, you know, it's three two, so he's not really trying to throw a pitch out of the zone necessarily. Yeah, he threw it was a sweeper, which as we discussed earlier is like the uh the 5.99 a month slider. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it was a sweeper, yeah. It I, was. I mistook it. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so it was a it was a yeah, 87 miles per hour right on the outside corner. So if Trout took it, it would have been a it would have been a strike. So it yeah. wasn't even a chase necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, uh, it's that's pretty crazy. I'm trying to. I want to see what a uh, Trout's uh, whiff rate is, because um, although I mean, this strikeout rate is pretty decent. Yeah, I. Because <laughs> maybe this is me just hate, as I say in the intro, hating the romance of the game. He do, he does have a whiff rate three point one percentage points below average, so he's yeah. he's uh he's good at not swinging and missing, but um. Me, me going away from the romance of the game was like uh, I think someone asked for a ball. Yep, I I was about to bring that exact point up after um, striking out Shohei Otani, and I'm like, you know, that's you know, I, I I totally understand that. However, like statistically, yeah, the guy, you know, he he's a great player, but he does strike out a good amount. Um, not that it really necessarily matters, but like. Hypothetically, if you strike out like Stephen Kwan or, or Luis, Luis Arise, yeah. that's statistically more impressive. That, that's the one you should be asking for the ball back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but still, I I totally understand it. <laughs> it was it is a funny point that you made. Yeah, uh, the World Baseball Classic overall was honestly it was probably the best thing to happen to the sport of baseball in our lifetimes. Like the Otani versus Trout matchup. Like, we had, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a hockey player, like a star hockey player. I think it was Connor McDavid or whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Out of Edmonton. Yeah. And the, he was like, yeah, like, did you see what baseball did? That was cool. We need more of that in hockey. And the tweet that I had was, when was the last time you saw a star player in another sport being like, yeah, we need what baseball has? Right. When does that ever get said? Uh, yeah, n- it, it just hasn't Never. really happened. Never. No. The the only like I think the only thing in my lifetime that can compare to that World Baseball Classic game was the the World Series that the Cubs won. Yeah right yeah because that and that took 
a team having a 108-year drought. Exactly, against another team that had like a 70-something year drought. Yeah, if if the Cubs if if the Cubs had won one five years prior and Cleveland had won one eight years prior, it wouldn't have had. No, it, w- it would have been an amazing series. Don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't have had that same magnitude. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was like, yeah, it, the WBC had all eyes on it, especially you know, help that. Uh, there was no March Madness that night, yeah, and it was also on FS1. Like it wasn't even on a mainstream, yeah, no channel, right? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't nationally broadcasted on uh, mm-hmm. the the on the regular Fox. So yeah, it was on a smaller channel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if they change that for next WBC, seeing the reaction to this one. Yeah, um, I imagine a lot of the same players will be returning, as, uh, as long as they're still in their prime. Come twenty twenty six. Like yeah, I, you know Otani will be thirty at that point, I think. Yeah. Or uh, something like that. Thirty or thirty-one. Uh, I know. Mike Trout will be like thirty-five. Yeah. Um. Thirty-four, thirty-five. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends. Maybe instead of. That you Dominican know, instead, of t- instead of Cedric Mullins, so like actually Corbin Carroll. Yeah. Right. 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 Who could be better by that point? Yeah. But like, you know, that Dominican Re- Republic team yeah. could be in. Great shape with J Rod, Rafael Devers, and Juan Soto. Juan Soto. I think they'll Juan all... Soto will only be eighteen by the time yeah. the WBC rolls around. Yeah, which is going to be great. But I mean, all of them will still be younger than thirty. I know Devers. I think. I think actually, De- Soto is going to be what, like twenty-seven. Um. Well, he's twenty-four now. Yeah. So yeah, he's tw- he crazy. would be twenty-seven. That's crazy. Devers would be twenty-nine after, <laughs> even after like having ten years of. Mm-hmm. major league time yep. um that's true but yeah it, that's the <laughs> that's the one thing that kind of got lost is that dr team didn't make it out of the first round not yeah. that it's not that it's mind-blowing considering their competition but it it was pretty crazy to see that team yeah not make it out it, you would have expected that team in the final but yeah it would it would have been nice to see that team play more games for sure um, but alas. But alas. Uh, anything more on the uh, WBC? No, I think we cut it all covered. It was sick. It had the perfect ending. Uh, yeah. Every it, The games just kept getting better and better. Yeah. Like, the entire tournament was, like, great game. Like, instant classic after instant classic after instant classic. Like, uh, the tw- another tweet that I had was, like, I think the games got so good that everyone just forgot there was a combined perfect game at one point. Right, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, foolish. Uh, baseball had a good tweet where it was like, the MLB should consider hiring the WBC writers. Script writers, yeah. <laughs> um, it does help though that all the games are single el- elimination. Yeah. Like you know, it- it's also I think there's so much beauty in like you know, the fact that after rounds we know we're just getting more baseball because during the World Series there's always that underlying feeling of. Man, after this, it's over, and we don't get baseball for six months, and we got the cold months. We got like the the days that it gets dark really early. Yeah. Like that just sucks. But in March, it was like we're just getting started. It's like we just had this amazing game, and we'd have 162 games to go. Yeah, absolutely. Plus yeah. playoffs. It's the it's the like, it's the grit. It's like if you go to a. A concert with like six different artists, and one of your favorite artists is like the first one. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> it would be like that. Um, 
and yeah, but and yeah, it, open yeah, opening day is something we always get excited for. Mm-hmm. But you know, obviously the regular season won't be at that level. But the consistency of having games to watch all the time is gonna be a uh, is gonna be lovely, and that's why that's why we love watching the MLB season. Um, all right, shall shall we uh, get into? Get some Manfred League baseball. Some Manfred League baseball, yeah. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, uh, every year w- this is our fourth time now. Um, we do full standings predictions, um, as well as award predictions, and we sort of kind of have a World Series winner at the end, even though like you know, there's there's no reason to predict the World Series now. Yeah, it it, it is. Because you know, predicting playoffs is a lot different than predicting standings. I'm, you know, I have a I have a little playoff hypothetical playoff bracket set. However, you know, it's there's a lot more <laughs> there's a lot more riding into the postseason that you just can't predict. So take my full standings predictions uh, into consideration a lot more than my playoff uh, predictions because that's just you know things. Things go haywire, as you saw last year. I mean, I think only one, uh, one uh, home team, one like host of the LDS uh, moved on last year. Like, yep, weird stuff can happen. So, who knows? Uh, all right. So, uh, do we want to go American League East to West and the National League East to West? Let's do it. Uh, all right. So, what do you got uh, in the American League East? So, for my standings, I have the uh, well. For first of all, I have the Orioles finishing in fifth. Um, I'm very unimpressed with what the Orioles did this offseason. Really, the only pit, they only got like what Adam Frazier, Cole Irvin, and Kyle Gibson. Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of it. They will have Gunnar Henderson coming up. They will hopefully have Grayson Rodriguez coming up, and a lot of internal options. But I'm just very. I feel like there's a lot to be desired with this team. Uh, I know that they did go on that great run last year, but uh, their offseason really made me question what to actually think of this team. So I have the Orioles in fifth. Yep. Do you want to go next? Do we want to alternate this? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, we could do that. Um, in uh, fifth, I also have the Orioles. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they're probably going to be the best last place team in For our sure. hypothetical world. Whoever finishes last in the AL East will probably be the best last place yes. team as they were last year. Um, and uh, I will say, yeah, there's a lot to be excited with the Orioles. Um, however, yeah, I have a lot of concern with that starting rotation. Um, and... Last year, I think they were ninth in bullpen ERA. Based on what they have on paper and also what they did peripherally, I don't know if I can necessarily rely on that uh, for for next year, um, if I can rely on that bullpen being as good as it was. So the pitching staff, I just have my doubts. Um, I also, ex- you know, nonetheless, I, I expect good years from Mullins, uh, Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Santander, Santander, but the roster needs a little bit more for me to uh, consider them mm-hmm. up there with the Red Sox, Rays, um, Yankees, and Blue Jays. But I wish this was the offseason where they went and spent, especially because next offseason looks very underwhelming as far as the free agent market goes. It's really Shohei Otani and then a big drop-off, and I don't think the Orioles are getting Shohei Otani, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, this this was the offseason where they should have spent on somebody. Yeah. Um, I think they really could have capitalized on Carlos Correa with those couple fallouts. They could have given him an eight-year deal. Right. Uh, they didn't do that, though. 
and I wish they did. I wish they I wish they picked a guy to build around. Yeah, cause, uh, that was from an external source. Yeah, because they uh, th- yeah they're not even putting uh, Henderson at shortstop right now. I think they're going to have him. They're at putting third. him at third. Yeah, uh, putting Jorge Mateo. Which to be fair, I think Jorge Mateo can be a very good breakout yeah, candidate. But Ma- but Mateo, so Mateo has the defense and the base running, but mm-hmm. Correa has the defense along with great hitting. Yeah. Um, which Mateo doesn't have, but uh, but yeah, like, you know, but what I will say about the Orioles is, I feel like they're they have the most fluctuate, some of the most fluctuation. Yes. Where like I could see them winning, eighty eight games, but I could also see them winning seventy five games. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you got for uh, fourth place? In fourth place, I have the Boston Red Sox. Um, I think this team at peak can be interesting. You know, they got a lot of lineup pieces that can be compelling rotation pieces as well. But ultimately, I just think there's too much that needs to go right for this team to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions with the rotation depth, with the health of the team. That's kind of what led to their downfall last year. Uh, the bullpen, can we expect the same from John Schreiber? And if we can, who else is going to step up other than maybe Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen? But I don't know. There's just way too many question marks on this team. And like I said, I think there's way too much that needs to go right. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I have the Red Sox in fourth as well. Um, I, it's funny because in my notes on... I'm more justifying them being above the Orioles than being below yeah. the uh, Rays, Blue Jays, and, yeah, and Yankees. Yeah, me, me as well. Um, so despite, so you could you could make a good case for the Red Sox potentially being a last place team um, in this particular division. Uh, but what I what I put down is despite uh, Bogarts, Evaldi, and Martina uh, uh, Martinez uh, losses, um, the additions of Yoshida, Jansen, Martin, Blyer, Duvall. Kluber should put the Red Sox in an okay place. Um, you know, I, I, I'm. This is the most optimistic I've been about a Red Sox bullpen in a really long time. However, it's like the least optimistic I've been about a Red Sox lineup in a good while too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, a lot of question marks with. You know, Yoshida was their big offensive signing, but you know we haven't seen him at a, uh, at an MLB level quite yet. Um, also, you know, Chris Sale, we could consider him a possible addition because. He should be pitching more than five and two-thirds innings this year. Um, and I expect more general health from the Red Sox. That was a big thing that led them to being a last-place team last year was poor health. Um, and also, uh, Tristan Cassis should be an upgrade at, at first base over uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, although that could be potentially a platoon situation. I don't know how they're going to sort it out. I hope not. Um, what do you got for third place? In third place, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I think this team has potential to to be better than third. I know that they also had a lot of injury problems last year with Wander Franco, with Tyler Glass now, and Tyler Glass now is going back on the injured list, unfortunately. But yeah, um, I don't know. I I need to see. I, I think I'm more just. I think I'm just believing the other two teams more. I don't really have an explanation as to why I don't believe in the Rays. I think they can be fine. Um, I think they need some guys to step up, though. I We need a Brandon Lau to have a, a resurgence-type season because he had a down year last year. We need Wander Franco to stay healthy. Uh, I think the the rotation looks very good, and the bullpen we know is you know, perennially very good, regardless of who's out there. You know, There will be another MLB The Show-created player that goes yeah. out and records like a 274 FIP over 68 innings. Yep, uh, yep. I don't know. I've, the, the lineup... 
regressed in power last year, and they're losing G-Man Choi, who is one of their best power hitters. Uh, and that's kind of my biggest concern in this team. Uh, right, yeah, that's a justified, um, a justified thought. Um, so far, we're we're matching. Um, yeah. I have the Rays in in uh, third, but despite having them as third, I see some solid improvement from the Rays this year. I expect mm-hmm. more than eighty six wins. They were play. They were another team plagued by injuries last year, um, with you know Wander Franco. Even if he was playing, I think there was probably some lingering injury going on. Hopefully that's resolved by now. Uh, Brandon Lau, same thing, um, had some injuries. And when he was playing, it it just didn't seem right. He had a sub-700 OPS, which you shouldn't really expect from Brandon Lau. Um, And, uh, you know, they were – so they were plagued by injuries – uh, you got to love the rotation coming into this, especially when Glasnow potentially comes back. I know he's got an oblique issue, which isn't great, but it's better than an arm issue, uh, hypothetically. So that's the silver lining, I guess. You know, with Glasnow, uh, with, you know, McClanahan heading the rotation, you also have Glasnow when he comes back. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen. Um, Zach Eflin. Zach Eflin. That's a great addition as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that rotation. Bullpen looks pretty solid. Um, although maybe it's not necessarily the stable that it was in like 2020, I still think it's pretty solid and uh, a pretty good uh, top four in that lineup with Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, and Brandon Lau. And I'm kind of banking on bounce back seasons from Franco and Lau. Um, and uh, and yeah, so although I have them th- third in the division again, um, I th- I just think the Yankees and Blue Jays are so talent stacked that they're going to be above the the Rays. But I still see some improvement from the Rays, so don't take that third place seeding as me being like, oh, they're going to be an 86-win team again. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Um, Who do you have uh, second place? At second place, I have the New York Yankees. Um, This team won 99 games last year, but they were also 35-35 and uh, in the second half. Uh, the offense kind of, as a other than Aaron Judge, literally went away. I actually looked this up yesterday. In the second half, Aaron Judge had 6.6 Fangraphs wins above replacement, and the rest of the offense had 6.5. Wow. <laughs> he accounted for more than double the team's F4, or that's, more than half the team's F4. That's crazy. Um, I, I worry about this team, a because, a, because I think they're relying a lot on younger uh, players that don't have a lot of major league experience to really step up, like Volpe and Peraza and Cabrera. And I think they absolutely can, but I think they're putting a lot of reliance on them, especially because the guys that they're replacing are like Josh Donaldson, Aaron Hicks, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who are, you know, they might already be, the the three of them might already be upgrades over those three. Um, John Carlos Stanton really struggled in the second half last year, and I'm wondering if this is where we start to see the you know, the age decline of John Carlos Stanton. Yeah. I think once that power goes, you're really not getting anything back. Um, and it was still kind of there last year. He had a decent ISO in the second half, but he only hit 151 and his walk rate declined. So I'm, I am worried about how much longevity we can see out of John Carlos Stanton. Same thing goes for Anthony Rizzo. You know, do we see the, uh, you know, he did rely on the short porch a lot last year. and I'm sure he can do that again this year, but how much is it going to carry him? Glaber Torres, I think, is my... I mean, he was my player to watch. You know, he needs to keep the exit velocity and keep relying on the short porch. Uh, and then there's the injury problems in the rotation right now. Um, 
As of right now, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, and Frankie Montas will start the season on the IL. Severino's only supposed to miss one start. Rodon's out till May, but Montas is out for maybe the entire season. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of question marks for this team. Uh, I'm going to have them in. And I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be that good again. I'm sorry, but I don't right. think he's going to be that good. Um, they're going to need a lot more guys to step up, more than just Aaron Judge. So I'm putting the Yankees in second for right now. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, and yeah, the Stanton thing is interesting because he he had like similar exit velocities as he did, but his sweet spot percentage shot down. So I'm wondering if um yeah if he's gonna work on that and potentially try to put the ball in the right direction because he's hitting it hard, but it's weird, you know, hitting it's it's a hard thing to do. Um, so yeah, we're still matching. I thought at this point yeah. we we're gonna break off because the Yankees are like the are kind of an overwhelming AL East favorite. Mm-hmm. And you know, based on what they did last year with ninety nine wins, it, it kinda makes sense that they are the favorite. But with a lot of these standings I'm saying I'm thinking about, you know, the Yankees did slightly overperform last year. The Blue Jays did slightly maybe underperform last year. So that's kind of what I'm considering. Uh the Yankees I have in second place. Uh I'm what I will say, they're a great team. I love the addition of Carlos Rodon, especially you know when he comes back. That that's a guy who can put up four or five wins above replacement, um, even with the missed month. Uh, I really, I really love their bullpen with uh, you know Holmes, Peralta, King, sort of heading that, and you also have supplemental guys like Marinaccio and Luizaga. You know, you, you certainly remember how good Luizaga was just yeah. two years ago, um, and you know Marinaccio was my player to watch from the Yankees. Um, uh, so, but but what I, what I'll say about the Yankees is, that, is they have more players due for regression than the Blue Jays do. Um, so, like Aaron Judge, for example, he could put up an MVP caliber season and still be three wins yeah. worth three wins less than he was last year. He put up you know eleven F WAR. He put up eleven yeah point, point four point four F WAR um, last year with the with the Yankees, which is just unbelievable historic season so he could still have an mvp caliber season and be a a decent amount worse than he was last year it's just it's hard to imagine him being that good and i totally agree with you he's not going to be that good and if he is i mean hats off to him for sure um it also would be surprising to see someone like nestor cortez put up a sub 2-5 era again Mm -hmm. you know i expect good things but i don't expect something that good um, I'm also just very concerned about how they finished off last season and if that's a precursor to what's to, for what's to come. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, yeah, that whole thing is, is sort of weird. Um, I'd also say it would be semi-surprising to see Rizzo put up a 130 OPS plus again. Yeah. Um, especially he's getting a little bit older, so we'll see how he utilizes that short porch again. Um, so, yeah, and the only the only players I'd, see, I'd expect a little bit of progression from would be uh, like Garrett Cole a little bit, John Carlos Stanton maybe if he puts the ball in the right direction, and Glaber Torres as you mentioned, yeah, as your player to watch. So, um, um, so yeah, Volpe, Volpe is going to be on the opening day roster. They announced that yesterday. That's definitely a step in the right direction for this team. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd say if they could have if they have Volpe at short, Peraza at third, and Cabrera in left, that's a good lineup for opening day. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're benching Stanton, Hicks, and IKF. Right. For those three. Yep, yep. You want to get those guys as much experience as possible right now because those are the long-term answers, even if it means sacrificing a couple wins in April 2023. Very true, very true. Um, 
So what do you got on the Blue Jays as your AL East champions? Yeah, so I have the Blue Jays as the AL East champions. I think this is just the most complete team right now from top to bottom. I think the only maybe question mark is the bullpen just because they don't have enough, like, they don't have the guy. Jordan Romano is very good, but I don't know. Would you consider him a top 10 reliever? I probably wouldn't. Uh, that's probably my only nitpick. Um, but other than that, I think the rotation has a lot of good options with Manoa, with Gosman, with Chris Bassett as an addition. Um I know. I'm expecting a Barrios bounce back. Yeah. Uh, even if he's not you know, what he used to be with the Twins, I don't think he's going to be what he was last year. Um, I'm expecting Vlad Guerrero Jr. to raise his fly ball rate a little bit. Um, I, I hope he has a ground ball rate below 50% as he did. I mean, he had a 45% in 2021, and he slugged over 600. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're ever going to – I'm going to be honest. I, I think it's hard to imagine we're ever going to see a better season out of Vlad Jr. than we did in 2021 at least offensively, but I'm expecting at least something in the middle of what we saw out of the two seasons, uh, yeah. the two previous years. Uh, we need him to lift the ball more. That's the, probably the biggest That's probably the biggest X factor. I hate that term, but I think that's the biggest X factor in the Blue Jays' season. Other than that, their lineup has guys like Alejandro Kirk. They have Matt Chapman. They have uh, Bo Bichette. They have the addition of Dalton Varsho, which I'm very excited about, especially because... Um, they have the new dimensions coming into their ballpark in right field, and Varsho pulls the ball more than half the time, and he's a big fly ball hitter, so I think he's going to uh, take that to his advantage, certainly, um, and that's kind of most of what I have on the Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah, I have the Blue Jays um, winning the AL East as well, so my justification on that is, you know, I think they had a lot of players that did well, but also had breakout potential that didn't necessarily break out. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is a big example of that. I also think Bo Bichette could mm-hmm. could potentially break out further than he did last year. He was he was kind of you know coasting along up until September um, of last year when he really broke out. Uh, Kevin Gosman, his ERA could go down a, a good bit considering his strikeout to walk numbers last year. Um, and George Springer, you know, I know he's a little bit on the older side, but he's he's a guy that um, has put up consistently like 140, 150 OPS plus seasons. Um, there's a potential for him to get back to that. You know, I wouldn't guarantee it necessarily, but there's potential there. The only overperformers last year with the Blue Jays were kind of like Alec Manoa, um, Ross Stripling, and I don't know, you could possibly say Alejandro Kirk, but I, I see that as, as somewhat sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love, as you mentioned, I really love the uh, the Dalton Varsho edition. Um, I think that'll be that'll be really good. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's a it's an upgrade in left field over Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah. Um, you know, offensively, they're around the same, and defensively, they're much different. They're total flip-flop. Not only that, but it's good for them to have another left-handed hitter, especially replacing with a right-handed Yeah. Uh, they did lose Teoscar Hernandez, but they got Eric Swanson in that trade. Yeah, that that trade, I think, was, was good for both sides because they mm-hmm. both got something that was very necessary for them and lost something that wasn't as necessary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that Swanson addition I like. Um, to to complement uh, Jordan Romano and and Yimmy Garcia on the back end of that bullpen, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, it would be hard to imagine Jose Barrios being as bad as he was last year. He had, he gave up like the most home runs and had a five two three ERA. Given his stuff and his reputation prior to that season, I imagine it would be his 
ERA would be a good amount lower than it was last year. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I have uh, I have the Blue Jays. So yeah, we have the same standings in the AL East: Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Orioles. Um, I'll start the uh, AL Central, where uh, in the cellar I got the uh, Tigers. Um, so out of this out of this division, I will say. I think the hardest to predict for me is the Tigers and the White Sox because like the Tigers had so many down years last year. So Mm -hmm. you don't know how many of those guys are going to stay how they were and how many guys are going to break out necessarily. Cause like uh, Spencer Torkelson is an example of that. Is he going to continue to be a, a pretty much all around negative or is he going to really ramp up and, Show us why he was a top five prospect in baseball. Uh, Javi Baez, uh, is he going to bounce back? Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, in a potential full season, is he going to show why they signed him to a five-year contract? I don't know, but there's a lot of question marks. Um, but last year, the Tigers had a 63-99 and Pythagorean win-loss on top of their 66-96 and uh, regular win-loss. Um, they had an 84 OPS plus and a 94 ERA plus. Um, they had a good, good bullpen last year. That was like one of their only strong spots. However, they lost Gregory Soto, Joe Jimenez and Andrew Chafin, which kind of made up that, that bullpen. So they lost a lot of their bullpen. The only piece that was sort of good last year. Um, they also have, uh, Mize and Scooball on the IL right now. Um, although they, they are, uh, bringing back, uh, Spencer Turnbull who got Tommy John in the middle of 2021. So, and he was doing really well before that Tommy John surgery, so he could possibly add to that. But uh, but yeah, that's what I have on um, the Tigers is they they were not strong really in any way except the bullpen last year, and the bullpen they lost a lot of last year. So it, it, they're going to have to rely on a lot of bounce back seasons in order to get out of that um, you know get out of the bottom of the, get out of that bottom of the division. Who do you sure. got in last place? So this is actually where we break off. I have the Kansas City Royals finishing last. Um, this team looked very interesting last year. They had a lot of new guys come up and make an impact, whether it be Bobby Wood Jr., whether it be Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, Nick Prado. Uh, Brady Singer broke out last year. But my fear with the Royals is that that's kind of it. I mean, they don't really have anyone else coming up anytime soon uh, that's going to add to that core, and uh, they're not going to... You know, be, I don't think they're going to be in a position this year where they are going to spend on anyone. Um, I think at the trade deadline, they're sellers. They give away guys such as Scott Barlow. They give away guys maybe like Brad Keller, maybe Hunter Dozier. Um, I really am concerned with the lack of identity on this team right now. I think I don't see them getting much better other than breakouts from Bobby Wood Jr., breakouts from MJ Melendez, you know, guys that we need to see more out of. Uh and I, I don't know. I think that's kind of where I'm at on the Royals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely some glaring holes with the the Kansas City Royals. And uh, I'll talk about the Royals for my fourth place team uh, where I have them. Um, you know, I, you mentioned that they don't really they, they don't really have anybody left in that core, but uh, or that's that's coming up out of that system. But also, I think it's it's good to it's good to remember that like. A lot of these guys are having full seasons for the first time. And also, you know, I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of progression from rookie year to um, to second year in the league. 
Bobby Witt Jr., you know, he had a he had a good rookie year. Um but he was also like a mid 700s OPS guy. I expect that OPS to to rise a good bit. Um, you know, he was a 20 he was also a 2030 player last year. Um, you know, there's potential maybe he's a 3040 player. Like that's that's a really that's a really high talent. You know, I expect progression from Wit, I expect progression from uh, Melendez as well. I expect uh, and, and you know, a full season out of Vinny Pascantino should also add a good bit. Um, but also, yeah, pitching is a glaring hole in that, uh, you know, both from both the bullpen and the, uh, starting rotation glaring hole. So that's why I can't have them above fourth. Um, but I expect more wins in general from the Royals this year than they had last year, which was, they had 65 wins last year. So I could see that get, get into the seventies this year and, uh, f- them finishing fourth in the, uh, AL central. Sure. Uh, so this is, um, once again, I have the Detroit Tigers, of course, finishing fourth. Uh, you mentioned there were a lot of down years last year, and I'm expecting a lot of resurgences. Like the Blue Jays, they're also adjusting their ballpark dimensions to become more hitter-friendly. Uh, a lot of those, you know, they're particularly doing center field and right field, and they have a lot of left-handed hitters that I think could benefit from that. Between Akil Badu, between Riley Green, between Austin Meadows, and between Kerry Carpenter, um, I think there are a lot of guys that will have much better years. Not to mention, I think Javi Baez in his second year in Detroit will be better. Um, you know, I think for him, he obviously had a very bad down year last year, and I think a lot of that was due to just the first year being in a new city on a free agent contract. Um, I think Javier Baez will be, at the very least, an above-average bat this year, yep. uh, according to OPS+. Plus, He was well below that last year. Um, it's the twilight year for Miguel Cabrera. He's going to be retiring after this year, so, um, you know, there will be a lot to celebrate there. And I think he'll go out. Not not the same way that Albert Pujols did last year, but I think he'll go out with one of his better years. Um, so I have the Tigers, and I also and on the pitching staff, uh, I think Eduardo Rodriguez is due for a resurgence here. I expect Joey Wentz to take steps forward in the rotation. Um, I expect Spencer Turnbull to come back strong. I think Matt Manning is has the potential to take a couple steps forward, um, and that's kind of what I got on the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, it, the Tigers. I think there's a p- lot of potential for fluctuation there too. Mm-hmm. I could see them winning uh, 60 games. I could see them winning 78, 80 games. Yeah. Uh, like depending on, yeah, like, you know, did Austin Meadows end up not hitting a home run last year? Yes. So, you know, I I would be surprised if that happened again for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a, they're, they're an interesting team. I, I'm, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, so in third place, I have the uh, Minnesota Twins. It's they just kind of bore me, really. Uh, outside of Carlos Correa, for sure, and you know they have some they have some talent, like they have Correa and Buxton and whatnot. But outside of that, I, I don't know. They just kind of bore me. So last season, what I'll say is they were 11th in OPS, 20th in starter ERA, 16th in bullpen ERA, 17th in defensive runs above average. Uh, that's, that sounds like a third place team to me <laughs> in the AL central. And they were also 29th in BSR, which, you know, it, it plays some of a role, but not a crazy amount. Um, that's the base running stat. If, if you were unaware, so they were middle of the pack in most categories and there's nothing to suggest to me that it won't be really any different this year. So, you know, I guess they did add Pablo Lopez, but they lost Luis Arise. That was a, that was mm-hmm. a trade. Um, 
they signed Carlos Correa in the offseason, but they had him last year, so we already kind of know what that team looks like with uh, with Carlos Correa. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's not really much to say that they'll be different. Not much to say that they'll be worse this year, but not much to say that they'll be uh, yeah, better this year. I agree. I also have the Twins in third. Um, this lineup is not as deep to me as it used to be. I mean, you look at the bottom four in the lineup, it's Trevor Larnick, uh, it's Christian Vazquez, Nick Gordon, and Michael A. Taylor. You know, that's not something that really moves me. They do have a very solid top five with, well, Joey Gallo, who's a question mark, uh, with Carlos yeah. Correa, with Byron Buxton, who will be very good, but, you know, the question's on if he can stay healthy. Yep. Max Kepler, can we expect a... a uh, a resurgence year from him, and then Jose Miranda, can he replicate the success that he had last year? So even the guys that they have, there are still a lot of question marks. The only guys that you can really expect everything out of is Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton when he's healthy. But we yeah. don't know if and when he's going to be healthy. Um, that's my biggest concern with the Twins is the depth in their lineup. But I do think the rotation is going to take steps forward this year. They ha- kind of have a full rotation, assuming that everyone stays healthy, with Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Tyler Malley, and Kenta Maeda, and then Bailey Ober for, for depth. I think they have a strong bullpen headed by Caleb Thalbar, Yoan Duran, and, jo- and Jorge Lopez. So I think there's a lot to be excited about there. But ultimately, um, you know, I think there are question marks. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah, a, a good amount of what ifs with like, you know, Kepler. He can without the shift, he can kind of break out, and his strikeout rate uh, mm-hmm. and pop up rate went down a lot. That's why he was a player to watch. But we don't know. We haven't. You know, you got to see it to believe it. Exactly. At, uh, when you're when you're doing this type of stuff. Um, all right. So, in second place, I have the Guardians. Um, now, what I what I'll say about this is. It's not necessarily about why I have them in second. It's not about Guardians regression. I think it's more about White Sox potential progression. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm I'm still like the White Sox are are one of the hardest teams to predict here in my mind. Um, so with the Guardians, um, the team you know they didn't change much, which is sort of good. They didn't really lose anybody, which you know that's always a thing with Cleveland they trade a lot of guys but they didn't really do any of that this year um and uh I still think there's a strong chance they repeat as AL Central champions uh I love their bullpen I love their base running I love love their defense um and I don't know if the like I don't know if that will really change um they had a their I think their team OPS plus was like 102 last year you know I'm not I don't think that'll really change but you know their their base running sort of supplements that and makes them a, a, a pretty good offense mm-hmm. and uh, I think they get on base more than the average team as well um, but yeah I, I think what'll what'll I'll talk about why I put them second will be more about what I talk about with the White Sox. Uh, who do you got in second place? I actually have the Chicago White Sox in second, so we yep. do have a couple of discrepancies in this division. Um, I think the rotation is kind of top-heavy. You know, we know Dylan Cease is great. We're expecting bounce-back years from Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, but we're not, we're not really sure. Yeah. Uh, Michael Kopech was good for some time last year, but then he kind of fell off. He is my player to watch, but... Uh, he still certainly is a question mark. And then there's Mike Clevenger, who's, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the lineup, I think, is very good, and there's a lot of bounce-back potential. You know, Luis Robert was very hurt for many portions of last year. Um, Eloy Jimenez, if we if he can stay healthy, you know, we know what to expect out of him, a lot of power, um, but kind of average with, you know, batting average and on-base type stuff. 
Um, I, we, we need to have a Yasmani Grandal breakout as well, uh, or at least a resurgence, because that was pretty bad last year. His 2021 season will forever be an anomaly. There's no way that will ever be repeated. Um, but we need something in the middle. Yeah. Um, and then it's all about, you know, can this team hit for more power? Because they had one of the lowest ISOs last year, and that was a big reason why they regress as a whole team. Uh, so I'm expecting guys like Robert, like Jimenez, like Grandal to be able to pick up where they left off in previous years with their power. But if that doesn't happen, I especially with all three, I don't see this team beating the Guardians in the in the standings. Yeah. So with the White Sox, um, you know, you, you, uh, you, with all of these, you have to look at what they have on the roster and whatnot. Um, you know, the White Sox, they they lost Jose Abreu. They added uh, Andrew Benintendi was their biggest addition. Mm-hmm. But we forgot about, like, let's, I'm not saying we forgot about, but let's not forget about their biggest subtraction and their biggest addition, which were Tony Larusa and Pedro Grif- yep. Grifol. Yep. Um, I, I think... That's kind of why I put them over the Twins. My prediction for the White Sox uh, revolves a lot around, um, you know, individual ba- bounce-back season from the players as much as uh, Pedro Grifol being the manager. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a great manager, but I think he's a major upgrade over what they previously had in Tony La Russa. Um, and uh, I, I, I watched some film to uh, support this take. <laughs> and one of the quotes from pa- pa- Pedro Grifol said, uh, I want everybody to go out there and be who they are. Which is, like, perfect. Which is yeah. the opposite of what show they that had. To, show that to your mean Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> Come back, man. Post a 1,000 OPS in April Unre- again. Unretire, please. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm expecting a, a, a culture change, and I expect that talented, that really talented roster that they have to play a little bit better under Pedro Griffal. Um, I'll, I'll learn to pronounce his name at some point. But uh, also, just, you know, last year, like, in order for the White Sox to... Uh, win 81 games last year. Everything had to have gone wrong, and everything, just about everything, yeah. did go wrong. Uh, outside of Dylan Cease having the spectacular season that he did, we should not expect a, a 570 OPS from Yasmani Grandal. We should not expect a 490 uh, ERA from Lucas Giolito, and we should not expect a 626 OPS from Yoan Moncada. Um, and also, I think the team generally will just play better under new management, um, and hopefully, uh, Grifol will put just the players in general better positions than uh larusa did mm-hmm. so um so yeah that's that's what i have with the white Sox. it's more of a feeling pick than just statistically justifying them um so it's it's a it's a large like uh large feeling pick for me so uh tell me why the guardians are going to be in the a- with the al central champions yeah i mean the guardians we saw it last year out of them they found ways uh to win i think they're a team that could benefit from the shift ban uh, True. You know, because they are kind of a team that plays on the ground. You know, they hit a little more towards the ground, and they have a lot of speed. You know, if if guys like Ahmed Rosario, guys like Stephen Kwan, guys like Andres Jimenez are going to benefit more from hitting ground balls, that's going to pay some dividends for them. Um, I'm also expecting a lot of upgrades 
in the rotation. I'm expecting a lot out of Tristan McKenzie to take steps forward and become to become one of the premier pitchers in baseball this year. Uh, Shane Bieber, we know what to expect out of him. Uh, the rotation, the depth has some little questions. You know, how much do we expect out of guys like Aaron Savale, Cal Quantrill, Zach Plezak? Um, but you know what? I think there are other there are other reinforcements coming. They have. Uh, prospects like Tanner Beebe in the, in the uh, system that are coming up. They have Logan Allen coming up, Gavin Williams. All these guys are top 100 prospects that are starting the year in AAA. I think we could see some of those guys move into the rotation at some point during the season uh, and make a difference down the stretch. Um, I think this team is very complete. The bullpen goes without saying. Emmanuel Classe is the best reliever in the league this year with the subtraction of Edwin Diaz. Trevor Steffen and James Karinchak looked good at points last year. Eli Morgan looked good. Eniel De Los Santos looked good. Nick Sandlin uh, is a guy that they can expect a decent amount out of. I think this team, they're just going to step up when they need to. Jose Ramirez is going to lead the pack once again and get seventh place in the MVP voting. <laughs> Uh, with one third-place vote yeah. from a Cleveland writer. Um, but I expect this team to could repeat as champions. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with um, all the good points, like all the points of, mm-hmm. of why the Guardians are, are good and why they'll stay good. Um, I think they'll be very competitive for sure. Um, and even even with the drop-off after Bieber and McKenzie, like the, the Guardians have good enough of a defense where, you know, Guys like Quantrill can go out there and only get six strikeouts per nine and, yeah. and still be all right yeah. um, because that defense is, is as good as they are. They're one of the most athletic teams um, in the league, the Guardians are. Um, all right, so uh, who do you have? So now we start the AL West. Who do you have in the cellar? You'll never believe this, but I have, <laughs> I have the Oakland Athletics in the yeah. cellar. Um, there's really not much to say, to be said, really? unfortunately. Yeah. I kind of thought about this today. So the Braves released their City Connect uniforms. Uh, and they announced the teams that will be getting them this year, and it's the uh, it's the Braves, the Rangers, the Mariners, the Orioles, the Reds, the Pirates. Uh, so there's 10 teams that will still need them in 2024 and beyond, and the A's are one of them. And I just realized, like, I, I'm so ready for the A's to release their City Connect uniforms, and then, like, two days later, it's officially announced that they're going to Las yeah. Vegas. <laughs> it's like, this is our city. Las Vegas, here we come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we have to look forward to. Yeah, that's it's going to be a great moment. I think they have some guys to watch for. You know, Seth Brown broke out last year and was very comparable to his predecessor at first base and Matt Olson. Yeah. Um, they made additions like Eledmis Diaz, Jesus Aguilar, guys that could eat up some plate appearances and be maybe league average bats. Yeah. Um, Shea Langlers is my player to watch. I'm hoping he takes a step forward. Um, Kyle Muller is starting for them on opening day. I wish they went with Shintaro Fujinami, but oh well. It could we could have had Shohei versus him on opening day, and that would have been cool. True. Um, and I think he's probably the best pitcher in this rotation right now, given experience. Um, I don't know. There is not much to look forward to with this team, unfortunately, and they happen to be in a very strong division with four other teams that are looking to compete. So yeah, I have the Oakland A's in the cellar. Yeah, I don't have very many notes in the A's as I have them in last place as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a team that went sixty and one hundred two last year. They traded their best pitcher at the trade deadline last year. They traded their best player to the Braves. Yeah. Uh, so, so they were one of the worst teams, and they <laughs> traded all their their best assets, which I guess is what you should do. But for twenty twenty three, they they will they will really you know they're going to be competing in that lottery for sure um potentially worst team in baseball uh 
you know, them and the Nationals will have a little competition. Um, who do you have in uh, in fourth place? In fourth place, I have the Texas Rangers. I know this is a team that a lot of people expect to be better this year. A because they had a really bad record with in run one run games. They have the two guys that are going to benefit the most from the shift ban, and they made a ton of upgrades in the rotation. But uh, just based on the rest of the division, I have this team. You know, someone has to finish fourth, and this is where I have them. Um, you know, the rotation, even if it's good, it has a lot of question marks. You know, DeGrom is obviously, I, that kind of goes without saying, he's the best pitcher in the league, but how much can we expect out of him when he's healthy? Yeah. Nathan Ovaldi had some major aggression from last year, uh, which, to be fair, his 2021 was going to be hard to replicate regardless, but, yeah. uh, you know, there certainly is some question marks with him. Martin Perez, uh, he is, what, 30? He's 32 now. He's not that old, but... I mean, he's not certainly a guy that you can pencil in for anything, even though he was very reliable last year. John Gray and Andrew Heaney. uh, Gray was hurt last year, but I think he can be solid. Heaney, we've seen the ups and downs, and there's like a 83-page essay to be written on if he's good or not. Uh, The bullpen really doesn't look any better than it was last year. Fangraphs has Jose LeClerc as the closer. I think they should upgrade your player to watch Brock Burke to be that. Um Dane Dunning, I think, could be interesting out of the bullpen because he had some very good ground ball numbers last year. Um, but other than that, you know, this team also has a lot to that needs to go right. You know, their lineup, you have Simeon, you have Seager, you have Lowe, you have Adolis Garcia. Josh Jung could break out. He's their top prospect. But after that, there's a lot of question marks. How much do we expect out of guys like Robbie Grossman, Brad Miller, Bubba Thompson? Can we expect Mitch Garver uh, to re- to research? Ezekiel Durant, does he play a bigger role? There are a lot of question marks with this team, so that's why I have them finishing in fourth. Um, so, yeah, in, uh, in fourth place, I think this has just sort of become my job <laughs> on the show is to uh, hate on the Angels a little bit. So I have, uh, I have the Angels in fourth. Um, and it's not necess- like it's not even about who they have on their team. It's more just them being the Angels and also it's the principle and and them being managed by Phil Nevin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start off by saying uh, with the Angels, I really I like the Tyler Anderson and Hunter Renfro additions. Uh, Rendon coming off the IL and potentially, you know, he ha- he granted he's been unhealthy the past few years, but that was that was a wrist issue and they did surgery on his wrist, so. Hypothetically, you could figure, uh, you know, maybe that situation's sort of handled by now. But you know, who who necessarily knows with that? You know, I'm no I'm no sports doctor. Um, obviously, got to love Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Um, but what I will say with them is, like, we saw them both do really well last year, mm-hmm. and they won 73 games, which you know isn't like you know how much better are they going to do to push them past that? Um, however, you know, I. I guess you do have the additions, but, and, and, you know, I like that rotation. I think they were top five in the AL, um, in, in starter ERA last year. I just don't believe in, in Phil Nevin, you know, management wise, the angels, their past three have been Brad Osmond's, Brad Osmond's Joe Madden and Phil Nevin. And that doesn't really inspire. I know Joe Madden is a world series winner, but I think he his, didn't deserve that man. He, his, he did everything he could to lose that game. His, but, and yeah, his, his management is, is has kind of become a little bit outdated, um, and you know Brad Osmus before that wasn't wasn't the answer, and Phil Nevin I think is also not the answer. The Angels need to find their guy, and hopefully they do it after this year because I, I just don't believe in this team to 
improve that much uh, given who's managing them. Uh, and I don't know, the Angels just typically underwhelm us in general, so I have them in, in fourth. Um, I was, yeah, I will say, uh, I, do you have anything else to say? Uh, no, t- okay. take it away. I agree with your Phil Nevin take. I think that there's a lot to be desired at the manager position. Phil Nevin is not someone that I think a lot of guys are running through a wall for. But I do have the Angels finishing third because mm-hmm. they're going to be fielding a real team this year as long as everyone stays healthy. And I'm yeah. going to run under the assumption that they do. 55% of the team's plate appearances last year came from guys with an OPS plus below 90. Uh, I'm not expecting that to repeat itself this year. They have upgrades like you know Taylor Ward I think is going to do fine again this year. Is he going to repeat his 2022? Maybe not, but I still think he's going to be a very good bat at the top of that lineup. Trout and Otani need no explanation. Right now, I'm running under the assumption that Rendon at least plays 120 games. Let's yeah. put it. Let's put it. Th- I'm not going to say he stays healthy, but I'm going to say he plays enough games to qualify for the you know batting title. Uh, and we know what he's capable of when he's healthy. We saw him do very well in 2020, the last quote unquote full year that he was healthy. He was he was doing pretty well before his injury uh, last yeah. year too. Um, they have Brandon Drury, Hunter Renfro, and Logan Ohapi joining the lineup this year. I'm expecting all three of those guys to make a large impact on the offense and even on defense as well. Um, their bench depth has actually some some guys, like Luis Renjifo was above average as a bat last year. Gio Rochelle is a pretty decent player, especially on defense. And let's talk about the rotation. I think the rotation, you could argue, is top five in the AL right now. I think it's top five in the major leagues right now. Uh, if we're talking opening day rotation, Shohei Otani needs no explanation. Patrick Sandoval is a guy that shined for Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, and I think that he makes some strides this year. Tyler Anderson got Cy Young votes last year. Reed Detmers was one of the best pitchers down the stretch last year. He had some very good numbers from August on. He also threw a no hitter, and it wasn't even, it was like his tenth best start last year. Jose Suarez is another guy that I think is very underrated as a five starter. I think he could put up an ERA in the high threes and that's very good out of the guy you least expect. Their bullpen is very questionable, sure, um, but I think the rest of this team looks very good and good enough to finish third in this division. Yeah, um, Otani, uh, Sandoval, and Anderson that you mentioned, all sub-three ERAs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's some things I'll knock on the Angels, but the rotation is not going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, there's there's a lot of upside with the Angels, and uh, yeah, my my thing with them is a more feeling thing and not necessarily a, yeah. an analysis thing. Uh, I have the Rangers in third place. Um, I think there's lots of upside with this team. Obvious breakout potential with Corey Seager with the shift going away. I mean, I think they had him having 25 more hits or something like that. Uh, his expected WOBA last year was like in the 370s, which would hypothetically put put him at like a 900 something OPS and that's as a shortstop. Um, so, I mean, obvious breakout potential with him, potential MVP candidate. Uh, if, if the shift thing goes the way we expect it to, you know, we can't expect uh, everything to change with the shift going away. Uh, there's obvious potential with the additions of Jacob deGrom, Nathan Eovaldi, and even uh, got someone like Andrew Heaney. Um, also, you know, not that I'm super run differential. Uh, I'm a super big run differential guy where I super, you know, rely heavily on it. But Pythagorean win-loss did have them winning nine more games last year. And uh, even with the bullpen, like I, when, I, when I looked at the Fangraphs rankings, I expected much worse. But I think 
they were 12th in the majors in bullpen ERA last year, um, which which did surprise me. And you know, on paper, they're not necessarily star studded in the bullpen, but uh, I think they're a, they're a little better than than people think. So with the Rangers, I'm kind of relying on their upside with you know Simeon, Seager, Degrom, Avaldi, um, even like Nathaniel Lowe, kind of heading that that roster and bolstering them to maybe a being a, a potential 500 team. Uh, granted, you know, I don't have them as a playoff team, so I don't see them taking it. I don't see that squad taking them that far, but I do have them in uh, in third place. Uh, who do you have in second place? Uh, I have the Seattle Mariners finishing second, as I'm sure you do as well. Um, this team won 90 games last year. They made it to the postseason for the first time since 2001. Uh, I'm expecting an even, I'm you know, it's the first I want. It's not the first full season of Julio Rodriguez, but I want to say it's the first full season because it took him a month or so to figure things out last year. Right. And then he was one of the best players in the game. So uh, Julio Rodriguez is going to be expected to take an, somehow another step. Uh, they have additions like Teoscar Hernandez coming in. I think Jared Kelnick, this might be the year where he f- sort of figures it out and at least is an above-average bat. That's really all they're probably asking him to be. Um, they made additions like, you know, Eohane, or not Eohane as far as um, A.J. Pollock coming into the lineup this year. I'm expecting more out of Ty France because he was great in the first month last year, and then he kind of fizzled out. Um, but also then there's the rotation with Luis Castillo in his first full year with the Mariners, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, Mark Gonzalez, George Kirby. A lot of very good talent there. And the bullpen looks just as good. Uh, Paul Seawald is going to continue in his closer for right now until Andres Munoz is better. And they're like, actually, wait a minute, we yeah. should put this guy as closer. They're put, they're putting Matt Brash in the bullpen for a full year, and he was fantastic as a reliever last year. Yeah, they have Diego Castillo, they have Penn Murphy. Uh, every one of the every one of the bullpen looks pretty good. Uh, if you're losing against this team in the sixth inning, it's going to be tough getting getting back into it. Um, I expect a lot of this team this year, but they are in a division with Houston. Yeah, yeah, that that part is uh is tough because yeah, the Mariners are a really good team and and they didn't really uh subtract much either and I really I really like the Seattle team. I have them in second place as well, but I'm I'm kind of sort of going to glorify them here a little bit. I I don't think the Angels and Rangers as and I think you think is this as well. I don't think the Angels and Rangers are touching them uh to potentially, you know, take a wild card spot from them or and whatnot, but the Mariners, you know, I have them in second place. I love the whole pitching staff, uh, starting pitching and bullpen. Um, there's really not much holes there. Robbie Ray is, might be their number four mm-hmm. objectively, uh, yeah. which is a good sign. You know, that's even though he had his struggles late in the year, that's a guy with a three seven one ERA last year and, and over ten strikeouts per nine, um, and also won a Cy Young two years ago. Let's not forget that. Uh, Colton Wong and Teoscar Hernandez, I really like his additions for them. I think those were were pretty necessary for them. Wong is going to be an upgrade over Adam Frazier, and Hernandez is going to be a big addition to the outfield because they didn't really have much outfield power outside of uh, Julio Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they don't have, heading into the season, they didn't have much uh, outfield power outside of Julio Rodriguez because they did lose um, Mitch Hanniger and they did trade Jesse Winker. Uh, So adding... Uh, Teoscar Hernandez to that I think is a is a solid addition. Um, what I what, why I say that they're below the Astros is you know Mariners have great pitching and decent offense, while the Astros have great pitching, great offense, along with great defense too. Um, so that's what you know puts has me putting the Astros above them. 
Uh, but you know, I think that's kind of didn't, you know, it, it could have been implied without being said. Um, who do you have, or obviously, well, why do you have the Astros in first place? I think, I mean, the Astros go without saying at this point. They're the defending World Series champions, and they've honestly gone through so much to get there. I mean, they've lost George Springer, they've lost Carlos Correa, they've lost Dallas Keuchel, they've lost Justin, well, they've now lost Justin Verlander. Lost um, Garrett Cole. They lost Garrett Cole, yeah. And as of right now, they've lost Justin Verlander, and for a couple months, they've lost Jose Altuve. But they still have Jeremy Pena. They still have Kyle Tucker. They still have Alex Bregman. They still have Jordan Alvarez. And they gained Jose Abreu. And that's just in the lineup. In the rotation, they have Framber Valdez, who's one of the better starters in baseball. Uh, he's the ground god. They also have the Prince of Pop-Ups in yeah. Christian Javier, who's your guy. Uh, they have Jose Arquiti and Hunter Brown, who are looking to take steps up this year, Brown especially as a rookie. And they have Luis Garcia, the starting pitcher who I think a lot of other people expect stuff out of this year. Uh, this team is very deep. They have they have it all still, even without Altuve for a couple months. And that's only going to make them better. There's there's really not much that needs to be explained with the Astros because we've all seen it for the last six years now. Yeah, that, that, rotation, that rotation is so deep that, you know, Luis Garcia was a guy who was a game two starter just in 2021. And it's not like, Granted, some of those performances you didn't know, go they great. Have, they have lost Verlander, technically, because he had Tommy John in twenty. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but he was a Game 2 starter, and then he just went to the bullpen in 2022, and it's not necessarily because he got a whole lot worse. It's just mm-hmm. because they're that deep, uh, especially with you know Framber and Christian Javier performing uh, how they have been um, or how they did last year. So, yeah, I have the Astros in uh, – First place as well. I have them as the first seed in the AL playoffs too. You know, best record in the AL. I, I predict. Um, not really expecting much regression from anyone. Um, they're not. They're not really an old team. Jose Altuve is is the whole like well Martin Maldonado is like the oldest guy, but Jose Altuve is the oldest real like solid contrib- contributor. And you know, I don't really expect too much regression from him. Um, that rotation's really young and really good. Uh, that bullpen will remain really good. Uh, so yeah, I I think uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty cut and clear why the Astros are a great team, and that's why I have them in uh, in first place in the AL West. Yeah. Um. All right. So now we move on to the National League. We will where we will start out east, where we are. We're technically in the east. Um. I'll start with uh, my last place pick. Uh, it will be the Washington Nationals. No surprises. Uh, not not gonna not gonna make any surprises here with this one. Um, with the Nationals, there there is some watch value with them since it could be interesting to see Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Kiebert Ruiz, and CJ CJ Abrams develop. Um, you know, at, at the major league level, those are guys that they got from significant trades. Um, but uh, all. All in all, this is a last place team, cut and dry, uh, especially after the losses of Soto and Bell in the middle of last season. Um, that doesn't help. Like they're not going into the season with uh, any of them, so it's it's they don't really have any any uh, any studs with this team, unless you could count Joey Manessis as one. But even like that's a guy who had a good two months. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know we'll see him we'll see him develop and. He's 31 too, so uh, he might be more of a trade target than he is like a, yeah, <laughs> than a than a future national. So, who knows with them? Uh, 
Do you also have the Nationals in last? I do indeed also have the Nationals in last. There's not really much to say that you didn't already say yourself. They have a lot of interesting pieces that they got from the trades. Obviously, it helps in a, in a rebuild when you have absolute studs like Serger and Turner and Soto that you can that you can trade because uh, you'll get a lot of pieces in return and that they did. Um, yeah, I don't know. This team just doesn't have a whole lot of, to inspire us other than that, you know. It's kind of just a lot of guys that are filling spots, taking plate appearances. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of much. That's kind of it. Yeah, there's really not much that needs to be said. Not much that needs to be said. Uh, in fourth place, I have the Miami Marlins. Um, with the Marlins, it's the same thing as usual: young, inspiring, developing rotation, awful offense, not enough done in the off season to make me feel differently about them. Uh, that's really just about it. They, I don't think they really, you know. Although they did add Luis Rise to the offense, they also lost Pablo Lopez uh, as part of that pitching staff. And, you know, granted, that pitching staff could potentially be deep with, um, you know, Alcantara obviously heading it. And, uh, you know, Jesus Lazardo really developed well last year. And um, Trevor Rogers could bounce back. And also, I think Sixto's coming back. Uh, maybe. He could come back. Sixto he's, Sanchez. He's starting the year in AAA. Yeah. But he's so, going to be pitching. He's going to be throwing baseballs on a real mound. So he could be coming back. And uh, Asturi Ruiz, I think his ETA is. Asturi Ruiz is on the A's. Or no, not Asturi Ruiz. Um, who's that guy? Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez, yes. My bad. He's going to be. He's, he hasn't pitched above AA, so I'm not sure where they want to put him. Yeah. Uh, he's going to start in AAA, though. Yeah. But he's 19. Yeah. He's so, so young. I don't know if I don't know if he's expected to come up this year, but you know, although they have a somewhat deep rotation, lo- losing Lopez, even with the addition of Arise, you know, I think that's sort of a it, it's sort of a neutral thing that just happened uh, yeah. with the Marlins. So they didn't really add too much in the off season. I expect similar things from as, from uh, the Marlins uh, this year, which was the same thing as the year before, and. Uh, mostly the year before that and the year before that. Um, who do you, do you also have the Marlins in fourth? I do. Um, I think there are a lot of guys in the. I do like the moves that they made. They just didn't make enough to really inspire me uh, with the other teams in that division, especially with how you know the other teams got better. Um, I like Luis Arise as a as a good option for them at the leadoff spot. I think Jazz Chisholm, if he's good and healthy at the same time, will be excellent. They need bounce-back years from Jorge Soler. They need one from Avisel Garcia. They need something better from Jacob Stallings. Uh, they have Gene Segura coming in this year. They have Brian De La Cruz, who we both like. Yeah. Um, the rotation is very solid. I'm looking at a bounce-back year from Trevor Rogers. I'm looking at a healthier year from Jesus Lazardo. I'm looking at more from Edward Cabrera. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There just isn't a whole lot of depth to this team, especially on offense. Yeah, Edward Cabrera is one is one I forgot to um, mention. I do think this is a make or break year for uh, management, like Kim Ang and such. Oh yeah, upper her, management. Her uh, additions did not do very well last year. Uh, and this year, it's you know it's Gene Segura, it's Johnny Cueto, uh, and AJ Puck as well. But that's really it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and who do they who do they even have like as the regular manager? Uh, Chris Carpenter. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so now we move on to the uh, third place team, um, who I have the Phillies staying in third place. Um, 
you know, it's weird to say about a, a defending National League champion, but they also were a third-place team last year. Um, the Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins injuries are not going to help them. Uh, one thing, one bit of news that we figured we'd kind of meld into into uh, this segment was, you know, Reese Hoskins tore his ACL uh, in spring training um, trying to field the ball. That's very unfortunate. Uh, he's going to be out for the entire year. And what sucks for him is is that this was a, a contract year. This was a year where he could have potentially separated himself and and gotten a a large a large contract uh, at after the end of this season. But um, that won't be happening, um, particularly with this off season because it's, he tore his ACL. Also, Bryce Harper he got Tommy John surgery. Um, he will be out for the first I think three months of the season. That's not going to help them. The Phillies offense kind of lives with Bryce Harper, so um, they're going to have to figure it out with ha- without him for the first three months. Um, also, uh, Ranger Suarez uh, has forearm tightness, which isn't a good sign for the rotation. Um, just long-term, not a good sign for them. Uh, Taiwan Walker is a question mark for me um, with uh, with th- them adding him to the rotation. Although he had a 3.49 ERA, you know, his underlying numbers weren't quite there. So we'll see what he does. But, you know, I also have the Phillies as a – I have them in my playoffs, uh, don't get me wrong, because, um, you know, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, J.T. Real Muto, and now Trey Turner um, should be going off like they always have been. I love the Trey Turner addition. I think it's going to add um, even more to that lineup. So it makes the Trey Turner being there, it softens the blow of Hoskins and Harper – uh, not being in that lineup, Harper specifically the first three months not being in that lineup. Um, so, you know, although I've mentioned all those negative things, I do have them as a playoff team. It's just I don't see them progressing much in terms of their win total in the regular season uh, because of the uh, negative things that I just said. Um, who do you have in third place? I also have the Phillies. Um, this lineup looks very concerning right now. I don't know if you looked at the Fangraphs projected lineup, but they have Derek Hall hitting fourth. Yeah, I have um, him as a player to watch, but I, I don't think he's at yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's at that yeah, level it's, quite it's, yet. It's it's not a lot to be desired after Turner, Schwarber, and Real Muto because Castellanos is fifth. We need more out of him. Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm, Jake Cave, Brandon Marsh, guys with some potential, but and I don't feel great about it. Um, the yeah. rotation I also don't really feel great about in this moment, other than Nolan Wheeler. It's Walker, who you said is a is a question mark. Bailey Falter, who's my player to watch, who's going to need to locate his sinker better. And then Matt Strom is starting pitcher five right now, who's Ooh. not a starter. Yeah, true. Not any at all a starter. They did make some upgrades to the bullpen with Craig Kimbrell and Gregory Soto. Um, I think having Jose Alvarado and Gregory Soto in the same bullpen is hilarious. Because um, they're yeah. like the same pitcher. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah, true. the the Hoskins and Harper injuries really really worry me about this team. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of all I have to say though. Yeah, and you know, I mean. The boomer thing to talk about also is like, oh, you know, World Series hangover. It's hard yeah. to hard to get back. They might struggle in the beginning of the season. So that, along with the Harper injury, um, could labor them in the first few months of the year. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see with them. Um, in the second place, uh, I have the Mets, which means I have the uh, NL East going exactly how it did last year. Nice. Um, so I have the Mets. Uh, I have the Mets as also as a playoff team in the fifth seed in my National League playoffs. Um, so yeah, I, I I do see 
so I see the Mets being a playoff team, but I see them uh, not, you know, winning 101 games like they did last year. Um, I think a lot of players had great years last year that won't be quite as great uh, as they were last year. Like Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo both had five win seasons. I don't know if you can necessarily bank on that, especially with Nimmo's health. I think he has the ability if he stays healthy to produce five win seasons consistently. But, you know, who knows? Potentially, potentially he'll stay healthy. Um, but also Jeff McNeil, like I think he had a career high in wins of a replacement last year. Um, who knows if he if he uh, if he maintains that the Edwin Diaz and Jose Quintana injuries do not help them. Uh, Diaz out the whole year. Um, he was the staple of their bullpen. And uh, Jose Quintana is out for three months as well. Uh, who was a you know a twenty six million dollar signing that they had uh, this past off season? Who was really like an under the radar good signing, but unfortunately he's going to be out for the first three months of the year. Um, and uh, so even with those negative, I, I will say Cohen put this team in a position where I believe they will comfortably make the playoffs. It's just uh, yeah, I think they'll they'll drop a little bit in win total because of a the injuries and b. Um, like they had some career years last year. I don't know if they can necessarily rely on this year. Uh, who do you got in second place? Uh, I have the Atlanta Braves in second. So mm. we do have a just, uh, you know, difference at the top of the division. Um, I do expect Ronald Acuna Jr. to have a bounce back year. He played, you know, rec- still recovering from the torn ACL last year. I think Matt Olson does a little bit better in his second year uh, in Atlanta. Um, but I do have a, some concerns right now with injuries that have played to the rotation. Fangraphs only has them with four projected started, starting pitchers to start yeah. the season with Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Jared Schuster, their number one prospect, uh, who I think will break camp, and then Charlie Morton because Kyle Wright is hurt right now. Mike Soroka, unfortunately, is hurt. Hoskari Noah is still recovering from Tommy John surgery uh, and whatnot. Um, I, don't, I think the lineup does have a couple of question marks. Right now it has Marcelo Zuna hitting fourth. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't want him getting too many plate appearances after last year. Ozzy Albies. I'm not too sure what I feel about him on offense. He's going to be recovering from a long-term injury, uh, broken knee, I believe it was. Um, I think you know. Obviously, this this lineup has some names. I think this team could win 100 games, but uh, right now there's too many question marks for me to put them in first. But I easily could be wrong. Yeah, I, I personally am very high on the Braves. Mm. Um, you know. Although they, they did lose Swanson and the the injuries to Wright and um, Soroka are and Inoa are are concerning and the lack of starting depth to start the year is concerning. I think you know we, we could also put in the perspective like yeah in, you know injuries are going to happen. It's just they happen to have a lot at the beginning of the year. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be as longstanding. Uh, the Braves, I, I, I'm really high, and I have them as my first seed in the National League playoffs uh, because in a year where Acuna, Olsen, and Morton had relative down years, they still won 101 games in 2022. They also finished the year, I think, what was it, like uh, 74 and 34 or something like 74 and 31, something yeah. crazy. Yeah. They were absolutely insane in, from uh, from June 1st on pretty much is when they started to uh, to really break out. Um, we should expect improvement from Acuna and Olsen. Acuna, especially based on the batted ball data that we found uh, last year, like he was like 92nd percentile. 
an expected slugging, but he got a little bit unlucky with uh, with his batted balls for whatever reason. Uh, I think Sean Murphy is a great addition. Uh, you know, even though they lost Will, uh, William Contreras, you know Murphy is up there with is is around the same level offensively as Contreras. Plus, amazing defense. He's already won a Gold Glove uh, in his young career. Um, I think there's potential for more innings from Spencer Strider. Um, you know, although I guess hypothetically you could be concerned about a guy as small as he is throwing, you know, averaging 98 on his fastball. I think there's potential for more innings until he uh, shows that maybe he's an injury concern. I know he had like one IL stint last year, but I'm not putting all my cards on into that. So I think there's potential for more innings from Strider. Um, I also think there's, you know, there's a lot of like young, ta- like still relative young talent, even if they've been in the league for a little bit, uh, that's still like getting really good. Ozzy Albies is one of them. Austin Riley's only 26 years old. Let's remember uh, Max Fried, I think, uh, still hasn't turned 30 yet. Um, there's a lot of still de- like young developing players, not necessarily guys like 22, 23 developing, except for uh, Vaughn Grissom, mm-hmm. but guys who are still, you know, um, in their uh, reaching their prime, getting to their prime right now. Uh, so that's why that's why I'm really high on uh, on the Braves. Uh, why do you have the Mets in the first Mets, place? This is look. This is a 300 million dollar team. Uh, it's hard to justify not not having them win the division. Uh, I know that the Braves are very good, but the Mets are a pretty deep team, even without uh, Edwin Diaz, the injury that they had, even though. Bullpen is definitely a question mark now. Yeah. But the lineup is fantastic. Brandon Nimmo, Starlin Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil. Uh, you have a lot of intriguing guys. You have Brett Beatty that could be coming up eventually. I wish he broke camp. Mark Vientos is another guy. Um, Francisco, Francisco Alvarez, Alvarez will be catching this year. I expect, you know, like the Yankees, there are a team that might be relying a lot on uh, the younger guys, but also they have a lot of guys that they know they're going to get production from. Uh, in the rotation, Max Serger and Justin Verlander, that kind of goes without saying. Uh, David Peterson is actually going to be the two-starter for this team to start the year. I'm anticipating a breakout from him. He's had a lot of promise over the couple years. Kodai Senga and Carlos Carrasco, I think, will take steps forward. The Quintana injury does suck, obviously, but I think this team will find a way. And even in the bullpen, I think this team will find a way. You know, David Robertson, Adam Anavino, Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, John Curtis, those are kind of the leaders in that pen. It's certainly a downgrade, but I think they're going to be able to figure it out. Um, this team obviously has very high expectations. You know, they're looking to uh, for revenge from last year, both in the division and the, the wild card series. Uh, and I think this is the year uh, that they... they break out and win the division yeah um yeah it would break a, a five-year streak for the braves mm-hmm. um because yeah the braves have, have been the division winners uh every year since 2018 but yeah hey yeah that could definitely change and the mets the mets surely have a a talented enough team to uh overtake the braves no question mm-hmm. about it uh, even with the diaz loss as you mentioned and now uh, time to get into the National League Central. Uh, it's always a it's always a fun race at the bottom. <laughs> um, who do you have taken it this year? I I have very little competition at the bottom this year. I think the Reds have this on lock. Um, their owner can't stop just opening his mouth at all ever. Um, so that's unfortunate. Their offense 
looks very, very uninspiring from pretty much top to bottom. Um, I think Tyler Stevenson is decent, and I think Spencer Steer can be an interesting piece, but that's really it. Um, I mean, Jonathan India, you know, he did have a bit of a down year last year, and I'm sure he can get back to where he was. But other than that, that's really the only thing I'm I'm looking for in the Reds this year. Is Joey Votto opening the year injured? Yes, he is. I think I don't know. It doesn't show that on fan graphs. The only great. the only thing to really be excited about overall is the rotation. You know, it's very young uh, between Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to there. Uh, unfortunately, they have to be cursed with like the worst ballpark for pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's really all I have on the Reds. There's not too much to to look at. Yeah. Luckily, with um <clears throat> with Green and Lodolo. Being strikeout pitchers, I guess they take the ball out of play more. So. Yeah, it also just doesn't make sense that Graham Ashcraft didn't get many strikeouts last year because he throws 100. It must just be, like, very straight. Yeah, yeah, a little Joe Kelly-ish. Yeah. Joe Kelly in his starter Hunter days. Green in April. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, dude, he was, he was throwing straight as a line. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they're interesting. Although, who said... This is an inside thing, but who said that they're a potential top three rotation? I don't think I ever said that. That was uh, Rob. Oh, he said he said they're oh, he's excited about the the, the top Reds three. top three. Okay, I misread yeah. that. Whoops. I was gonna say I don't think anyone's saying they're a top three rotation. I was like, <laughs> I was like what? Okay, all right. Although Graham Ashcraft, I will say, does have a very nice batted ball profile: fifty-four percent ground ball rate, eighteen percent fly ball rate. That's like perfectly ideal for C. C-A-B-P, or G-A-B-P. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Sweet spot percentage <clears throat> against of 31%. Yeah, that's very good. Really, all he needs to do is get more whiffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, with the with my last place pick, I also have the Reds. Um, I think the Pirates did enough to add Major League Talent um, to push them out of last place. Um, and yeah, with the Reds, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, uh, do they look like bright spots? Uh, Jonathan India could bounce back. Uh, Jake Fraley could remain above average. Um, but also we have to note that, uh, Kevin Newman is their projected six hitter. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's not great. Um, yeah, there's outside of Alexis Diaz, there's nothing really in the bullpen outside of Green. Lodolo and potentially Ashcraft. There's not much with the rotation. Um, so, yeah, you know, they, they won 62 games last year, and I don't see that number really changing much um, in this upcoming year. Uh, who do you have in fourth? Watch this. I have the Cubs in fourth. Ooh. Yeah, I bet you weren't expecting that one. Um, the Cubs made a couple additions to their lineup, but they're definitely more flyers than like people that they're investing in, other than Dansby Swanson, of course. But yeah. I mean, you look at Trey Mancini, you look at Cody Bellinger, you look at Eric Hosmer, and other than maybe Mancini, I don't, you know, and probably Bellinger, I guess they're not probably picturing those guys in the long run. Of course, Bellinger has been a bra- has been a resurgence candidate for the last three years. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, and at this point, I'm just not sure if it's going to. I don't know. I can't really explain it. But Cody Bellinger has not even come remotely close to replicating his 2019 MVP season. Yeah. Um, he got non, non-tendered by the Dodgers. 
He hasn't even come close to his 2017 Rookie of the Year campaign. No, he, you're right. He hasn't. Um, the rotation looks very fun, uh, other than Stroman and Tyone, <laughs> which are like the best two pitches they have. But I like Justin Steele. I like Hayden Wesneski, and both of them are going to make the opening day rotation, which is very exciting. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks, things I'm just not sure about. This team does not really move me very much, I'm going to be honest. So I am going with the Cubs at number four in the division. Yeah, I get that. They're, yeah, they're, they're, some of their additions are like, they've been good before, but let's, we'll see about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went, I went the, the way of the road and I picked the Pirates yeah. fourth. Um, and it is an improve, sort of an improvement. They were tied for last with the Reds and I, I crowned them last place champions last year because they've, mm-hmm. they've held that belt for a while. So you gotta, you gotta actually lose more games than them to, to move them out. But with the Pirates, um, I like, as I mentioned before, I like the uh, Major League talent that they added with Andrew McCutcheon, G-Man Choi, Carlos Santana, um, you know, trying to make this team a little bit watchable. Um, along with that, uh, along with that, you could see a good development with younger talent, such as, you know, O'Neill Cruz, Key Brian Hayes, Andy Rodriguez, uh, Roisney Contreras, and uh, Mitch Keller, who... I know he's been around a little bit, but he's also, you know, I think he's heading into his age 27 or 28 season. Mm-hmm. Um, 27. So 27 season, so could easily see some development from him. I know I picked a picked an over on his ERA, but still could see. Uh, Hang on, let me. I let could me. be wrong about that. Mitch Keller was, like, really good down the stretch last year, and, like, nobody talked about it. I know he ended with a, with a sub-4 ERA. Oh, he, it was more than sub-4. I think it was a 3-9-1. Hold on. Well, yeah, he ended with a 3-9-1, but, like... In his last like X amount of starts, he was insane. Right. Yeah. yeah he yeah. had a two seven one ERA in his last eighty three innings. Yeah, that's pretty. With good. A, with a three sixty two FIP. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So yeah, I I think with younger development along with the major league talent they added, you know, they could push. You know, obviously I'm I'm not as high on them as you are, but I, I could see them pushing mm-hmm. 70, uh, 70 wins here. The only the only way I'd hesitate with to put this team at third, I did put this team at third. The only hesitation that I had was, who knows what the what the deal is with Brian Reynolds? Maybe he's not on the team, and maybe he is. It's kind of hard to tell. But regardless, um, I do really like this team to improve. I could see them winning between like I could see them being like what the Orioles were last year, where they came out of nowhere, had a winning record, um, whatever. But you look at this lineup. It's not bad. The only person I'd consider bad is Austin Hedges, and hopefully at some point he'll be replaced by Andy Rodriguez, yeah, uh, who is significantly better. I can't speak for his defense, but on offense, he's miles better than Austin Hedges. Um, but O'Neill Cruz, he's a guy that we, we've all been hoping for a breakout because he's a very fun player to watch when he's good. Uh, Brian Reynolds, we know what he can do. Andrew McCutcheon, it is kind of a fan service move, but he's still serviceable. Uh, out yeah. there, Carlos Santana had, should be the leadoff guy in this lineup. If I'm being completely honest, I know it's a hot take, but yeah. he gets on base. Um, G-Man Choi, Key Brian Hayes, who has been injured the last couple of years, I think he there's a lot of potential in him on offense. Jack Sawinski doesn't get a lot of notice, but I think he is very good. He did very well last year before he got hurt, um, and then obviously Hedges. 
Uh, in the rotation, you have Keller, who I've mentioned is potential to break out. Uh, you have Major League veterans like Rich Hill and Vince Velasquez who can, you know, sort of serve, do whatever. You have Ronsny Contreras and Johan Oviedo to finish it out. But I'm looking more at what this team has coming up. I mentioned Andy Rodriguez. I think he's going to be in the majors this year. He should be in the majors this year. I know the Pirates wouldn't hate to, you know manipulate his service time a little, but also guys like Luis Ortiz, Mike Burroughs, Quinn Priester. I'm not so so sure Quinn Priester is going to be up this year. He's probably going to be a September call-up, but Burroughs and Ortiz, I really want to see them taking uh, like sustainable roles in the rotation this year, and I think if they do, there's a lot to be excited about with this team top to bottom, and I have them finishing in third in the NL Central. Yeah, yeah, there's um, there's definitely some a little bit of development you can see there with the the pirates organizationally, you know, some of those top picks are, mm-hmm. you know, starting to rise up and 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 uh make it a, a decent farm system and they already have Cruz and Hayes at the at the major league level um making things happen. So yeah, there's there's some potential for development with the Pirates. Um I know we like you know, I like to make fun of them personally, but they could they could be developing. Um with uh third place i have the cubs um so you know i i think that uh dansby swanson edition should be good um the tie-in edition you know i initially didn't like and i still i'm still not too high on it but i think him going from al east batters to nl central batters um could play a factor in him potentially improving um so you know i'm not counting that out like you know I know the I know the amount of games that teams will play within the division is going to go down this year, um, but still I think there's a fair fair enough difference where he's going from facing you know the Red Sox lineup, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays lineup, uh, or no, not the Yankees lineup. Mm-hmm. Whoops! <laughs> if he goes from facing the Orioles, Red Sox, um, Blue Jays, and Rays to facing you know uh, Brewers. Pirates, Reds, and, and Cardinals are like the only uh, good offense out of that group. So I think that could be that could have a little bit of potential. Obviously, I like Justin Steele in that rotation. I put him as a player to watch. Yes, um, Stroman is is uh, good enough. Um, and uh, yeah, but as far as like, I can't really put them above third because there's too many question marks with this team. As you as you mentioned before, they took a lot of flyers like Mancini, Bellinger. I'm not really. I can't. I can't fake excitement for him right now. I can't either. I got to see it. Yeah, I got to see it to believe it. Um, and, you know, bullpen-wise, I, I forget who they have in that bullpen. Um, but I don't know what I don't know what they got going on. Let me let me check cuz honestly, I don't really know off the top of my head either. But I but yeah, I know they won 74 games oh. last year. They have uh, they have Michael Fulmer as their closer. They have I do know they have the, they have Julian Merriweather who I liked for like a week in 2021. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they have Brad Boxberger. They do have Albert Albert Alzale. I hope I hope we can actually see a full year of him. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Boxberger and Boxberger was a good addition. Um, yeah. And uh, how long has he been playing? Feels like he's been around for long forever. Yeah, I've I've heard that name a I lot. Remember, I remember him on the Rays. Yes, me too. And yeah, uh, 2012. Well, I know Alzale had some good numbers as a reliever, particularly. Um, but yeah, with the Cubs, um, yeah, I think I think they're a third place team. They won 74 games last year. Um, I think they'll they could maybe get 77, 78 this year. Um, 
the Pirates, like, you know, the Pirates won 62 last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it would take a lot of development to close that gap between them and the Cubs. I don't think they'll do it particularly this year. Um, who do you have in second place? In second place, I have the Milwaukee Brewers, the team that finished second last year. This team just barely missed the playoffs, and they had some injury problems, especially within the rotation. Freddie Peralta is hopefully going to be making a return this year. Uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Burns will be pitching out of spite this year, um, yeah. which will be fun. Uh, <laughs> they made some nice additions to the lineup, things that you know, guys that could really potentially boost them up. Uh, you know, Jesse Winker. Uh, is going to be there. William Contreras, Rowdy Telez will be without the shift, like you mentioned, as your player to watch. I yep. think this team will get some big upgrades from within on offense and also just in general. Um, I'm really hoping that like Sal Freilich comes up this year um, and we could see him because he's their top prospect uh, guy out of Boston College. Uh, Sal Freilich is? Freilich. Freilich? Um, yeah. He's their top pro. Is he over Corio? No, he's. I forgot about Corio. Um, you know, well, well Corio, we're not seeing this year. Yeah, biggest biggest prospect old. that they could come up this year. Yeah, biggest prospect. Yeah, exactly. I hope that we could see some time out of him. Um, but ultimately, I just don't see them over the Cardinals. I still, you know, need to see more out of their offense. But it wouldn't surprise me if they won the division. Um, but I don't know. I don't. No, no one on this offense really strikes fear into me. Right. Unless, of course, like someone breaks out, which is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Telez is like the biggest potential guy but even then yeah. it, would, it would take a little bit um and uh yeah I, I was really tempted to have another change in first place yeah. with the nl central because i don't because th- i've gotten we've done three years of doing predictions i've never gotten the nl central correct mm-hmm. and i think it's because i always go with the team that won the year before so i was tempted to take a different team this year but i'm not i'm going with the brewers That's i think fair. If the Cardinals do win the division this year, I think they'd be they'd be the first NL Central team to go back to back in the NL Central since uh, I think the sixteen and seventeen Cubs. Um, so it's it's been a while since an NL Central team has won back to back division titles. Then the Cubs, right? Yeah, Cubs uh, sixteen seventeen, I think. Yeah, they didn't even it was, win in eighteen. Because it was That's Brewers. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Brewers, Cardinals, Brewers. Brewers no, uh, Cubs. Cubs. Brewers, Brewers, Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, anyway, with the Brewers, um, you know, I think there is some optimism with the Brewers. Uh, hopefully they get a full season of Freddie Peralta. They only got yes. 78 innings out of him. And that was a guy who had a 2.70 expected ERA last year. Um, great strikeout to walk numbers um, continuing from 2021. So hopefully they have uh, him the whole year. Um, the losses of Colton Wong and Hunter Renfro aren't great. However, the additions of William Contreras and Jesse Winker uh, should be good, should put them in a good place. I know you had Contreras as a player to watch. Um, he's a young, uh, very good hitter who could take that catcher role for the Brewers. Um, and, uh, yeah, Telez, he could see major improvement, but have to see it to believe it, of course. Um, you know, we don't know. We could outlook the shift thing, but it could also end up not being as effective as we thought it would be. Yeah. Um, because, Entirely possible. you know, all these departments have a way of doing things. So who knows? But yeah, that that's um, that's what I got on the Brewers. Uh, why do you have the Cardinals winning the NL Central? So, I mean, I really like this team's lineup a lot more than I did last year. Obviously, you have Goldschmidt and Arnato, and I don't think Goldschmidt's going to be able to exactly replicate his season last year. Luck was definitely on his side for a lot of it, but... 
You know, I still think that he'll be an MVP-type bat, as will Nolan Arnato. Um, but I really like the idea of getting more at-bats out of Lars Newtbar this year. I really like Brendan Donovan getting more at-bats. I love the addition of Wilson Contreras. That's definitely a upgrade over Yadier Molina offensively. Um, and I am very excited that this team is bringing Jordan Walker up uh, to the Major League roster yeah. on opening day. So this lineup is definitely one to watch. There's also potential for a Tyler O'Neill uh, resurgence. There's potential for a Dylan Carlson breakout. There's potential for a Nor- Nolan Gorman breakout. And there's potential for Tommy Ed- Edmund to keep doing what he did last year. And if all that, if that happens, they're really firing on all cylinders on offense, and their rotation is pretty solid, too. Of course, you have Michaelis, you have Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Wainwright's going to start on the on the IL, but he'll be there, and then, fingers crossed, we get Jack Flaherty and maybe a resurgence set of Steven Matz as well. And then in the bullpen, Ryan Helsley is filthy. There, he needs no introduction. Uh, you also have, you know, Giovanni Gallegos, my guy, Andre Pallante. Uh This team looks very complete. I, I don't know how I feel about them matching up with one of the big dogs in the in the NL, but yeah. I think this division is theirs to lose right now. Right, right. And uh, at, at the front of that, I think you meant to say uh, Goldschmidt had luck, had more luck on his side. Does Arenado? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I know um, Arenado also had actual stats above expected stats, but I think that's because he pulls a lot of home runs. And if you pull a lot of home runs, typically you're expected slugging. Because that's not to get off track here, but the flaw with the stat cast data is it doesn't uh, account, account for f- what part of the ballpark you hit yeah, it to. Yeah, it doesn't account for direction of the ball. Um, so yeah, a, a 400 foot bomb to left is considered the same as a 400 foot bomb to center. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> all right, so into why I'm picking the Cardinals as, as a NL Central champions. Um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, a lot of what I put in the notes uh, is identical to some of your talking points. Um, I, you know, you could expect some bounce backs from Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, um, and uh, you could also see s- some development from Newt Bar. I think Newt Bar, like he, he had a 125 OPS plus, weighted runs created plus, and whatnot, but his expected numbers were still better. Um, and I think, and that was only in 347 plate appearances. Now this guy's going to get probably over uh, 500 plate appearances. So that's that's always a good addition. Um, well, yeah, we'll see about Jordan Walker. If he, if he you know, makes a good Rookie of the Year campaign, he could add a lot to the team and, and that offense. Um, and, you know, with, with, with starting pitching, you know, it, it's a low strikeout unit. Um, but the defense, there's nothing to suggest that defense won't back them up the same way they have over the past couple of years. It's a really athletic defense with uh, Arenado, Edmund, uh, Paul Goldschmidt has some good defensive prowess as well. Um, along with, uh, you know, O'Neill's been a good defender. I think Carlson as well. You know, they have a, they have a lot of good defense, um, to back that pitching up and the pitching, I think will do solid enough to, to keep them afloat. And I think, yeah, I think with the Cardinals, I think over the last two months of the year, they led in weighted runs created plus. I mean, that's a really good lineup and they had, a couple like down years too, uh, last year. So I'd expect some bounce backs and I agree that, yeah, I don't, I don't, I still don't really see them as much of a threat in the NL playoffs, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, the NL central, I think they'll be able to take care of business. Um, however, um, teams in the NL central have had trouble repeating. So I'm not putting anything out of question in that division. There's a reason I've gotten 
uh, the division winner wrong all three times yeah. so far. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all right. So now we get into the National League West, um, where I have the Rockies at the bottom. Good. Um, I would say, what I'll say is they're not a god-awful team, um, but I can't view them on the same level as the other teams in the division. Uh, I think the D- Diamondbacks are developing well. Uh, the Giants have a, a lot of a, a, a good amount of uh, major league talent um, who've been there and done that before. And then obviously the Dodgers and Padres are on a are on an, another level from the Rockies. So I, you know, the Rockies sure they could get they could even push seventy wins, but um, I don't think Dick Monfort gonna... says they're going to play five hundred ball. Well, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, who yeah. Do? I also have the Rockies in fifth. You said they're not a god awful team, but they are a god awful franchise. True. <laughs> I hate that front office with every fiber of my being, and I'm not even a fan of the team. I can't imagine how Rockies fans feel. Um, this team just just sucks. I don't know. I mean, they like they are better on paper than like the A's or the Nationals, but I feel like this team just should be worse. Right. <laughs> like they just like they deserve to be worse somehow. And Cleveland or not Cleveland, uh Oakland doesn't <laughs> doesn't really try to win, at least at this stage. But right. the Rockies they just are frustrating, man. I yeah. mean you know, they have they have guys, they have Chris Bryant, they have CJ Crone who can hit exclusively at cores. Um but they like they just make the most puzzling moves. They trade for Nolan Jones only to sign Mike Moustakis and have Nolan Jones start in AAA because they have to have Mike Moustakis on the roster. A guy who's going to be entering his age 34 season who has not been good since basically 2019. Yeah. Uh, nothing that they do makes sense. Uh, this It's just overwhelmingly frustrating to keep watching time and time again. Um, like I've always said, the worst thing that they could have ever done was bring someone from within as their GM. And it doesn't surprise me. Uh, there's a thread on Twitter. I'll find the person that it's from. But there's basically, it was basically explaining how the Rockies care more about their their franchise culture and keeping their guys. Like, they're very much a, a nepotism organization where, like, if you worked for them before, like, if you've been with them for a while, like, they will never move on from you no right. matter what, whether you're good or bad. Um, and especially talking about how, like, the big issue is, like, if there's ever a franchise player that values winning over being with a team, that's where you see problems. We saw with Troy Tulowitzki, we saw with Nolan Arnato, um, you know, and, and they will never make the move that really corresponds with long-term winning or even short-term winning. Right. Um, the thread in question is from, uh, it's at Matt Gross 87 on Twitter. Just go look it up. Just go look up under uh, at Matt Gross eighty seven Rockies or whatever on Twitter, um, and you know check out his thing. I mean, I know Daniel Barr is your guy to watch, but did it really make sense to give him an extension at the trade deadline? No, they should no. have traded him. <laughs> Absolutely, they should have traded him. He's <laughs> what thirty seven, thirty eight years old. Yeah, he's thirty seven years old, having a career year. Yeah, um, they they make the most nonsensical moves. They were the I remember they were the only uh at the trade deadline last year they said like well actually we were the only franchise to sign an extension. It's like one, you signed a, a 37-year-old having a career year to an extension and two, did you not see the Braves extension to Austin Riley at the trade right. deadline? Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, I it's, don't know. This franchise just sucks. They're frustrating. They're infuriating. Uh, and they just, like, the players and the fans don't deserve it, but that front office deserves to get last place every season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they. it's just been bad for a little bit. And, yeah, they've, the Arenado situation was bad. Um, they... <laughs> they the did. Story they situation they didn't bad. give John Gray the qualifying offer, and then just never offered him anything. Yeah, they were just like, actually, we don't want this draft pick. <laughs> Go somewhere else, please. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Um, so yeah, we both have the Rockies in last. Um, <clears throat> in fourth place, I have uh, the Diamondbacks. I was tempted. I was really tempted to put them uh, third place, um, but I really dislike the at least for twenty twenty three as it is maybe for the future it's different but for 2023 i i don't like the D- dalton varsho uh subtraction that they made um also the uh lack of pitching depth uh detracts me you know they have gallon and uh gallon and kelly at the top of that starting rotation uh you know brandon fod could come up and and ryan nelson could come up but you know how often do we see a rookie pitcher really like put himself uh as as an elite pitcher right away it's it's not very often um and then you know madison bumgarner is still in there you know not having a you know yelling at uh anybody who uh yeah who does less than a sprint on the uh on the base paths you know i think there's a good amount of there's a, a lack of pitching depth and um you know also letting go of Varsho takes away a little bit of their athleticism that they had. I mean, that guy had 18 outs above average last year. So that, you know, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they led in outs above average last year. Um, but taking away Varsho, uh, takes away a lot of that. Um, but, uh, also along with that, um, you know, I think the Giants have enough to stay above the Diamondbacks. And what tempted me about the Diamondbacks, uh, I will say, is the idea of a full year of Corbin Carroll. Um, we talked about him uh, when he got that extension a couple weeks ago. You know, wh- what his potential is. You know, there's a reason why he's number two, the number two prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB.com, and number one in some people's books. I mean, there's a, there's a big reason for that. Um, I also, you know, there's con- the potential of... Uh, the continued success of Zach Gallen and Christian Walker, also the general athleticism of the team, um, really is an attractive thing uh, to potentially put them in third. However, I have them in fourth. You know, this was a team who was first in BSR and first in outs above average in all of baseball last year. So, very athletic team, and Corbin Carroll uh, coming up for a full year will definitely add to that. But uh, I still have them in fourth place because of. Um, you know, I, I don't see them developing quite up to that uh, level yet. Uh, who do you have in fourth place? I went with your temptations, and I took the San Francisco Giants to finish fourth. Um, this team definitely has a lot of question marks in the lineup specifically. You know, I think the only person you can really rely on to produce is probably Jock Peterson. And even that, his ceiling is about, like, a mid-800s OPS. Uh so I'm not too sure what, what to think of this lineup. You know, Michael Conforto has not played since, what, 2020? Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't played since 2020, so that isn't very, you know, encouraging. Uh, Brandon Crawford suffered a major regression year last year. Lamont Wade Jr., same thing. 
Uh, same goes for a lot of the lineup. I do like the rotation in, in the bullpen. Uh, you know, I think Logan Webb is fantastic. I think Alex Cobb is due to be better. Uh, Sean Manaya should be due for a resurgence here. Ross Stripling and Alex Wood were both solid pieces last year. And then in the bullpen, you know, Camilo Doval, Taylor Rogers, Tyler Rogers. Um, you know, there's some interesting guys. Mitch Hanniger is going to start the season on the IL, which definitely does confirm a lot of concerns that I had for the team because, uh, you know, I mean, Mitch Hanniger, Michael Conforto, those are guys with pretty lengthy injury histories. Um, so I, I am a little concerned on the depth of this team. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely raised, uh, I have some concerns about the Giants. Uh, I have them in third place. Um, I don't like the, you know, Carlos Rodon, Rodon loss, obviously. Um, but I also like, uh, some of the smaller deals they did. Ross Stripling, Sean Manaya, Mitch Hanniger, Mitch, uh, Michael Conforto, and, uh, even Taylor Rogers, I think is due to bounce back a little bit, um, He's always been a good strikeout guy. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last year. Um, and, you know, I think there's there's some guys that had some real down years who, like, Brandon Crawford, I, I know he's 36, I think, but I still think he will do better than uh, than last year. I wouldn't expect an 85 OPS plus and terrible defense from Brandon Crawford uh, for this upcoming year. I wouldn't expect that. Um, you know, I think he was also muddled with in- injuries a little bit. So I'd expect him to do a little bit better, not, you know, getting MVP votes or anything, but a little bit better. Um, I think they will be around the same place last year. I think, you know, the Rodon loss coupled with uh, many of the mini additions they made kind of neutralizes them a little bit um, and puts them in a, in a neutral spot. Um, I think the, I think the Diamondbacks, if the Diamondbacks do, um, overcome the Giants I think I'd put that toward like a a little bit of an early arrival I imagine it would require a little Carroll breakout maybe Brandon Fott uh, coming in the rotation and making a really good impact I think it would be a good early arrival for the Diamondbacks I'm not forecasting it but I wouldn't be surprised by it but I do have um I do have the Giants and I don't have them uh being near what the uh Padres and and Dodgers are because I think in order for that to happen they would have had to uh, keep Rodon and probably sign one of Correa or Judge, and uh, they don't have any of those players, so yeah. I think they'll remain around 500. Uh, who do you have in uh, third place? In third place, I do have the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I believe that this team is capable of a lot of things, you know, breakout-wise. They did lose Dalton for our show, but they still have a very strong outfield with Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, and uh, your player to watch, Jake McCarthy. Yep. Right. Uh, you know, there and all three of those guys are very good defenders. So it's not like they're, you know, they are losing Varsho's defense, but it's not like the replacement is anywhere. Uh, that's pretty bad compared to him. They're going to continue to have Christian Walker. Um, hopefully they can get some kind of resurgence out of Ketel Marte. I don't know how much I want to expect out of him. Maybe like a 115, 120 OPS plus should work. Um, and also, they got Gabriel Moreno, which I think people should be very excited about. Uh, in spring training, in what, 30 plate, in how many plate appearances? 31 plate appearances. He's slashing 370, 452, 741 for an 1192 OPS. Uh, so there's reason to be excited about Gabriel Moreno, the catcher that they got in that trade uh, for Varsho. And they also got Lourdes Gurriel in it as well. Very serviceable bat. You know, like the Angels, they're not going to be 
giving as many plate appearances to the people that don't exactly deserve it offensively. Like they right. gave Geraldo Perdomo exactly 500 plate appearances last year, and he had a 58 weighted runs created plus. Yeah. So I don't think they'll be doing that again. There's going to be upgrades made on offense. Their defense hopefully will be just as good. And in the rotation, their rotation right now doesn't look very good. It's Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Madison Baumgartner, Ryan Nelson, Zach Davies. I would like them at some point to replace Madison Baumgartner and Zach Davies with uh, Brandon Fodd and Dre Jameson, and that's a full rotation of very good starters. Yeah, uh, especially in the you know the condensed area that is Chase Field. So I'm excited for the Diamondbacks. I think they can be a sneaky good team, uh, and I do have them above the Giants this year. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The Diamondbacks. Yeah, they're. Nonetheless, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch, mm-hmm. no matter where they place. Um, you're going to see some good defensive highlights, see a lot of stolen bases. Um, they're kind of they'll they'll probably maybe benefit a little bit from the uh, the new rules and whatnot. Um, so they'll be they'll be fun, uh, no matter what they do. Uh, in second place, so I'll preface this: I'm buying into the hype. I uh, I really slandered the Padres a lot last year, so. I'm giving them their due and putting them in first place, but I'll talk about the Dodgers first and why that I have them as second place. Um, they uh, they lost some major pieces, obviously, with Trey Turner, uh, Tyler Anderson, and Justin Turner. I guess t- Tyler Anderson, I guess, you know, he's sort of a product of what the Dodgers do, you know, systematically. So maybe you could say that. However, you know, losing Trey Turner, uh, who's one of the best players in baseball, doesn't help. Justin Turner... Um, not only a, a very good hitter still uh, in his late 30s, but also, you know, kind of a heartbeat of that team. He's one of the only guys that's been around um, for as long as he has uh, with the Dodgers, and now he's not there. And I don't think they did enough to supplement those moves. Um, and along with that, not only did they lose those guys to free agency, lost Gavin Lux for the year, Um you know, he tore his ACL, unfortunately, very early in spring training. He will not be with the Dodgers at all uh, on the field this year. And uh, also Walker Bueller, I, we knew about him being out for the whole year, but that doesn't really help either that um, Walker Bueller is going to be uh, out for the whole year. So it, it hurts their rotation. Um, so, you know, granted, I have the Dodgers as a playoff team, but them going from 111 wins to second place is a bit of a downgrade, so I have to talk about all the negatives. Yeah. Um, the uh, the lineup outside of Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith, I wouldn't say is too intimidating. Um, you know, I guess Max Muncie is, is due for uh, a, a bit of a bounce back, but, you know, they got Miguel Rojas in the at the shortstop position, you know, taking at-bats. Yeah. That's not that's not the most intimidating thing, um, you know. Compared to last year or the year before, it was a uh, it was a lot different, um, and also just them, you know, the new rule changes. I don't think they'll take a crazy major effect, but mm-hmm. the uh, Dodgers have u- utilized the shift extremely well. Yes, and that and very often, very often, and that being taken away could negatively negatively affect them. I looked it up on. The Fielding Bible, shout out Mark Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, the defensive correspondent. Defensive correspondent, Mark Simon. Um, but I looked on the Fielding bi- Bible, and as a team, they saved the most runs via infield shift out of anyone in baseball last year. Um, so 
that being taken away from them um, is, is going to hurt them. Although I know their, their depart analytical departments will probably figure something out, but I think they'll be hurt by that. Um, also, I would expect regression from Julio Arias and Tony Gonsolin. They're not, you know, they're good pitchers, but they're not sub 2-2 ERA pitchers, I would say, uh, given their strikeout and walk numbers. Is Tony Gonsolin going to be in anytime soon? Um, oh, is he injured? Yeah. So, yeah, him being I mean, injured. Let me check. Him being injured doesn't, timeline. doesn't help anything. Like, Arias, I wouldn't expect a 2-1-6 ERA or anything. Um, I'd expect it closer to three, even above three. Um, so obviously the Dodgers are still one of the best teams in the game. Um, but I'm buying into the Padres hype and I'll, and I'll get into why I'm buying into the Padres hype. Yeah. Uh, when I get to them, uh, talking about them as my first place team. Um, who do you have in second place? I also have the Dodgers in second place. So I'm, I'm with you in buying into the hype. Uh, just real quick, Tony Gonsolin has a sprained ankle and he, uh, the injury was happened on June or on March seventh, uh, and it says that he will not be ready for opening day. But there doesn't really seem to be much of a timetable. I mean, so it could be. I mean, who knows? Typically, that's it could like be like it could be like pre precautionary things, right? Because people do that a lot in spring training. Um, yeah, it could be like six to eight weeks. Yeah, or four to six. I don't know, but luckily, like. It doesn't seem like something that should linger, considering it's not like shoulder inflammation or mm -hmm. like forearm tightness or so, or something. So, yeah, seems like a weird freak thing. Anyway. I I agree with you that I think the Padres are worth buying into the hype over. Um, you know, if you look at the the Dodgers lineup outside of Betts, Freeman, and Smith, uh, Max Muncie, yeah, maybe due for a bounce back. He had some tough Babbitt luck last year. JD Martinez lost a lot of power last year. Um, although he is a guy that you know goes the other way a lot, and that's probably going to help him more at Dodger Stadium than it did at Fenway. He's also going to be back with Mookie Betts, um, so who knows yeah. what happens there. David Peralta um, could be interesting, but he's definitely past his, his prime, I'd say. He's going into his age 35 season. Um, Trace Thompson, I don't think he's going to be able to replicate what he had last year. He went, he went crazy for a couple of months. Uh, Miguel Vargas, he's going to need to adjust to Major League Pitching first, and then Miguel Rojas... You know, whatever. Um, in the rotation, Arias is fine. I think he's also due for regression. You know, this team doesn't look as as dazzling as they were before. So who knows how how much he gets carried by his winning percentage this year? Yeah, because uh, that you know, and his, his run support was was fantastic the last couple of years. Uh, I'm excited for Dustin May to come back in a, for a full season, and I'm, I'm excited for Clayton Kershaw to keep doing his thing, but. The rotation definitely does not have as much depth as it used to. The bullpen's fine. I'm sure guys will step up. Uh, but, yeah, this team, while they're still very good, um, I don't have them above the Padres this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the bullpen, yeah, the bullpen, I will say, is probably the their um, their best asset uh, on the team. Like, it kind of stayed, it stayed mostly the same, except they lost Kimbrell, but he, he had, like, a four ERA last year, too. Exactly. You know they have they have a lot of the guys that made them good last year, so um, that will stay good. I mean, it's why I have them as the fourth seed in my NL playoffs. So I think they'll be a really good team, nonetheless. Um, so yeah, first place I have the San Diego Padres. Um, I think like all the projections have them winning too, like yeah. all those Fangraphs projections and whatnot. Um, with the Padres, yeah, having Tatis back and adding Bogarts should play a huge role this year. 
having a full year of Juan Soto and probably Soto on a bounce back season uh, should play a huge role. Um, they didn't really lose much in the off season. Um, from May onward, they should have Tatis, Machado, Soto, Bogarts, Cronenworth, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, and Hayter, along with solid surrounding pieces like Hassan Kim, Trent Grisham, Nick Martinez, Seth Lugo, and Luis Garcia. They're a they're a really they're a really star-studded team, but they're also still a very deep team. So you know, there's a reason I'm buying into the hype. They they won 89 games last year, but that was without Tatis. That was without Bogarts, who they both will have now. Um, I know Musgrove uh, had a weight room incident, but I think he's due to come back um, on like April 11 or April 16 or something like that. Sometime in mid-April, mm-hmm. um, he should be coming back. And Tatis, obviously, he'll serve his 20 games, and uh, he will be back and be able to, and you know, unless unless he has to knock off some rust, should be extremely productive for the Padres. So you know, I'm buying in the hype. Um, we've we've wanted to for a while. Uh, they underwhelmed us in 2021, maybe kind of was on track or maybe underwhelmed us a little bit in 2022, except for the playoffs. They, yeah, they really did well in the playoffs, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into their hype for 2023. Yeah. I mean, you kind of said everything I wanted to say, uh, Tatis is eligible to come back on April 20th. Um, although I will mention Bogarts and Soto have minor injuries right now. Uh, it's questionable whether, whether they'll be ready for opening day or not. I think both of them probably will be. Uh, for Bogarts, it was wrist discomfort. For Soto, it was a strained oblique. Um, nothing too crazy. But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that looks excellent top to bottom. The lineup is fantastic. The rotation, when healthy, is great with you, Darvish, with Blake Snell, with Joe Musgrove, and then depth pieces like Nick Martinez, Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, Jay Groom. Uh the bullpen with Hayter is going to be excellent. I think Hayter is going to look a lot more like he did in the end of that 2022 season uh, in his you know, few appearances after the trade. Right Immediately after the trade, he was awful, but then he picked it up and started doing much better. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think this team is very, very exciting. It's almost something that baseball needed is like this, you know, this very fun team in a small market that is building a super team. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the Padres are going to be fun, and they have them finishing first. Yeah, yeah, they should be fun. Yes, kind of a smaller market team, as you mentioned. Um, and, yeah, this has kind of been in the making since 2020. Like, yeah, in 2020, they, they really surprised everyone. They had the, what, second-best record in the NL. Um, and then, yeah, it's – and then after – and since then, they've added Bogarts and Soto and – uh, Machado has improved and Tatis has been an MVP finalist. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um they've at yeah, they've added Musgrove <clears throat> and Snell. Um yeah. So <clears throat> so yeah, those are uh, all our standings. Mm-hmm. Um now uh do you want to do questions or awards first? Oh, I was going to do playoffs. Do you have uh, playoffs? Oh, playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I got playoffs. Um so should, or maybe we should end on playoffs because okay. of fair uh, enough. Let's do let's do sleeper teams. Do you have those? Um, well, I figure I I figure I uh, w- 
define sleeper teams. I could go off the. Cuff I, with I that. usually I usually pick one sleeper team from each league every year, so I'll just name mine. Yeah. My AL sleeper team. I don't know how much you can really consider them a sleeper because people talk about them all the time. But I'm going with the Angels. I think there's a lot of potential in that team this year. Obviously, the narrative around them is always very negative, and especially this year when it's you know Shohei's last year. Artie Moreno just announced he's not selling, which is like literally the worst thing that could have happened. Uh, so that is what it is. My NL sleeper team is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I'm very excited to see what this team can do if everyone comes up, which is a question because they do love to manipulate that service time. Uh, but the Angels and Pirates are my sleeper teams. Um, so if I had to put uh, labels on, if I had to label, if I had mm-hmm. to put labels on things, um, I'd say I'd say AL sleeper team for me is Rays. Um, even though I have them as a third place team, I could see I could easily see them breaking out of that. This is a team that uh, two years ago won a hundred games, and you know their roster doesn't look crazy different from what it did two years ago. And they still have, you know, they got a full year of Wander Franco potentially. Um, their uh, starting pitching staff uh, is probably the best it's looked since the 2020 World Series when they had um, Snell, Morton. And glass now, and uh, I think I'm forgetting somebody. Um, but yeah, you know those three plus a couple other guys. Um, yeah, I really like that raised rotation. I think that I think their bullpen is in very good shape, and I like the top four in the lineup. And uh, I think there's also potential for breakouts from someone like uh, Isak Paredes. Yes, uh, I who, agree. Who had some. Um, who had some good? Who had a really good stretch last year where he was hitting a home run like every game for like eight games or something like that. He was doing really well. So if I had to put a label on it, I'd put the Rays as my AL sleeper team, NL sleeper team. Um, Padres, no one's sleeping on the Padres. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have NL sleeper team. I, I got. Uh, yeah, I got no one really. That's fair. It is kind of <laughs> tough to find one. Yeah, I've maybe the Cubs. Um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I think the Cubs. I think there's sure. May I'll make a justification for the Cubs. Okay. Uh, I think there's. I think that rotation has really good potential, considering you know st- they've signed Stroman and Tyon, um, but yet. But yeah, they might not even be the best two uh, starters in that rotation. Considering Justin Steele, you know, if they if there's more innings out of Justin Steele, he could really make a great impact. Hayden Wesneski is your player to watch. Um, a full year out of him could be interesting. He had great strikeout to walk numbers, as you mentioned uh, in uh, in 2022. He he had those great numbers. Uh, made some additions to the bullpen. They're not going to be that bullpen isn't going to be awful. Um, and who's to say? You know, I know I just said I'm not. Uh, I can't really get pretend to get excited about Cody Bellinger. Yeah. But who's to say? You know, this year isn't the year. Um, there's there's potential for it, and then they already have. Uh, you know, Dansby Swanson is has been a, an established good player, um, or at least as of last year, along with. Um, I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have too many notes, but that's that's what I'll say about the Cubs. Is um, don't go fully asleep on them even though they only won a uh, 74 games last year yeah um uh awards or questions let's do awards questions playoffs sounds good um who do you have in for the american league rookie of the year 
for the American League, so both for both my rookie of the years, I went with guys I had as players to watch. In the AL, I took Masataka Yoshida. Uh, I think he's going to translate very nicely uh, over to the U.S. I mean, he hit very well in the World Baseball Classic, um, and I'm sure a lot of the major league competition will be better than what he faced in his pool. But he still did very well against Mexico, against the U.S. Uh, I think he's going to adjust very nicely to Major League Pitching. I guess the one question I have is how does he fare at Fenway as a left-handed hitter? Uh, you know, he seems to really hook into that corner a lot. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think he's going to take home the, the American League Rookie of the Year award. How about you? Um, yeah, call me a homer. Yeah. But for the second time in three years, I have the American <laughs> League Rookie of the Year going to a Red Sox player. I think I'm a little more confident in this one than I was with uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. Oh, yeah. Um, although I, I, I Hopefully did this like... this one just ends up better, even if they don't win it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I didn't... I really like Dahlbeck heading into 2021 based on spring and how he did the year before in mm-hmm. that, like, sh- one September that he had. But, yeah, I have Yoshida. Um, this goes against the obvious favorite, which is Gunnar Henderson. Um, what I have to say with Yoshida is... He's 29, so he just generally has a lot more baseball experience than the rest of the field, which is an advantage, which is partially why I think some people kind of campaign for Japanese players to not be eligible because they already have that professional, like, sort of quote-unquote major league experience uh, in Japan. Um, But yeah, he's eligible here, obviously. Uh, Also... I could be buying into that WBC hype, considering he hit 409 with a 12.58 OPS uh, in that uh, in that WBC. He also I I went I parsed through every uh, baseball savant game uh, all the game data, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a 47.8 percent sweet spot rate. Holy crap! In the tournament, I thought, av- you, I thought you were going to say hard hit rate, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. League no. average, league average is about 33 percent. So yeah. directionally. He's hitting the ball in the right space. Uh, he also only had one strikeout in the tournament. That's I mean, for perspective, Nolan Jones had a 49.1% sweet spot rate, and that was the highest in the league among 50 bad ball players. And there were 497 yeah. of them. Um, Masataki Yoshida also had one strikeout in the tournament. Mm-hmm. There were 29 other players with 20-plus at-bats in the WBC. Only Yoshida and Mookie Betts had only one strikeout. Not only that, but I think the idea, like the whole notion of like not striking out is something that the writers will like. Yeah, true, 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 true. Um, and uh, so so what I'll say on why I'm not picking Gunnar Henderson is I think he's a great candidate, and I think it's obvious why he is the favorite. Um, I'm just a little concerned about his ground ball rate from last year. Uh, along with that, the other can- other top candidate would be like Anthony Volpe. Uh, Volpe. Volpe, Anthony yeah. Volpe. Um, I think he's interesting, but I think we're getting a little bit excited about um, what he did in spring training, which was great overall. But I think maybe we're getting a little bit excited yeah. about that. Um, although Don't I get me wrong. He deserves to be on the opening day roster. No doubt about it. Yeah. That's fair, though. Uh, but yeah, I pick uh, Yoshida for, for all those reasons. Also, it, it helps to just be sort of a quote-unquote veteran being yeah. eligible for this award. Um, who do you have for National League Rookie of the Year? For NL Rookie of the Year, I have Gavin Stone of the Dodgers, a starting pitcher who did very well last year. Uh, the Dodgers have some open spots in that rotation, and I think you know he's going to be on a big stage every night regardless because he's on the Dodgers. Um, if the Dodgers were to overtake the Padres and win that division, I could see Gavin Stone being a big part of that, and I could, I could see that being some good leverage for him uh, in the award voting. Yeah, um, for National League Rookie of the Year... I did not go off the map at all. I went with Corbin Carroll. Um, yeah. I, I figured I'd go with a favorite. Um, mm-hmm. 
Service time won't be played with, so that's a big bonus. I uh, can't say that about all the candidates. Um, he's a fantastic fielder and base runner, and he had a 1035 OPS in the minors last year. All things point to him being good this year. So, you know, I'll take it if I'm wrong, um, but I really believe in uh, in him being rookie of the year this year. Did you uh, did you have Julio as your rookie of the year last year? I did. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to ask if any of us have either got, have ever gotten this right. Yeah, I've. Yeah. But okay, you did last. I got year. Julio, and I don't think I had Julio. I don't remember who I had though. You had a uh, Matt Brash. I did have Matt Brash. Yeah. The other choices I could have chosen were like Adley, Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt. So I don't yeah. feel too bad about taking J Rod because he was like the number three prospect behind mm-hmm. two Those other, other two. two other AL guys. So yeah, yeah and I I, neither of us had Michael Harris a second. Nope. Um, I don't think. And then twenty twenty one was what. Uh, tr- or uh, Jonathan India and yeah, no. uh, a Rosarena. Randy Rosarena. Uh, I guess one of us probably should have had that one. Yeah, true. I don't know if we did or not. And then 2020 was Devin Williams and Kyle Lewis, which I don't think we had. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, a Rosarena was the obvious choice. So yeah, sometimes it's good to it's fun to go off the grid a little bit. Um, manager of the year, we could go over briefly. Yeah. Who do you have for AL manager of the year? I have Scott Service. Uh, he didn't win it last year. I thought there was a case for him. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Um, I have a uh, Pedro Griefall based on yeah, how that, my standings that go. That makes sense. Um, because yeah, if I, if the, if the White Sox hypothetically in Christopher's, in Christopher's world, mm-hmm. um, if the, uh, White Sox win the division, Griefall would be the most deserving. Um, unless someone had an upset or whatever. Uh, National League Manager of the Year? Uh, my NL Manager of the Year corresponds with my sleeper team. I'm going with Derek Shelton. Uh, I don't think he's exactly the greatest manager, but that's not really what we consider in this award. We just consider who managed the team that did better than they were supposed to. Um, And I just think the Pirates are the team that are going to perform better than they're supposed to. Yeah, since I don't really have any sleeper teams, my National League Manager of the Year is so stupid. It's uh, Bob Melvin. Um, yeah out of san diego yeah i don't think he's gonna i don't think there's really much of a chance he wins it it's just i don't i mean i think if they unseed the dodgers there's like an easy possibility of it i think they'd have to win like 105 games that's fair um which maybe they could do however i think what'll end up happening is some nl team will rise could be the pirates yeah um and whoever whatever nl team does that they'll get manager of the year. I I doubt that Bob Melvin will end up getting it, but in my hypothetical world where the standings are what they are, uh, Bob Melvin gets that National League manager of the year. Um, now on to uh, the Cy Young, AL Cy yep. Young. So this is kind of where I go off the beaten path here, as you uh, indicated last year with our famous AL Cy Young picks. Yeah. Um, I'm picking the guy who was fourth in the major leagues among all pitchers in F4 last year from July 1st through the end of the season. This is a guy that I put, this is a guy that I put as a player to watch a guy that I've indicated in this episode. I expect a lot out of, I'm going with Tristan McKenzie as my AL Cy Young pick. Give it to me. Uh, Tristan McKenzie has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last, or or the last few months of the 2022 season. Uh, I think he kind of figured a lot out about himself as a pitcher and I got him going all the way this year. Nice, nice. It's a good pick. Uh, for American League Cy Young, <clears throat> I'm going with the first half Cy Young of last year. I'm going with Shane McClanahan. Um, he fell off a little bit, 
but I think I think he will stay on track and be um, American League Cy Young this year. A great strikeout and walk numbers that never changed from Shane McClanahan last year. Over 30% strikeout rate, under 6% walk rate. It's spectacular. Also, very good batted ball profile. All his percentiles are, are shifted over to the right in red um, on, the, on that baseball savant page. Uh, he allowed 20 home runs last year, but um, according to StatCast, 17.6 expected home runs. So I think some of them just snuck out of there. Maybe ballpark-specific stuff. You never know with the AL East. Um, although he is pitching for the same team, you know, Grant, you know, he had 2.4 more, he allowed 2.4 more home runs than he was expected to, according to StatCast. So maybe that could correct itself this year. Um, along with that, he should be good with preventing home runs because he had a he was 68th percentile in barrel rate last year. He allowed barrel, barrels at a, at a better than average rate. Um, and innings wise, you know, last year he had one brief IL stint through 166 and a third innings pitch. I'd expect a little jump in innings this year, maybe to get to 180, 190. You know, innings aren't the biggest thing with Cy Young sometimes. You know, we saw last year Justin Verlander only had 175, and uh, the year before that, Corbin Burns only had 167. So, you know, Sandy Alcantara is sort of an outlier sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, outlier to, to some of these guys. But, you know, I'd expect um, – I think Shane McClanahan is a very good uh, good candidate. Yeah. Um, and that's why I have him uh, winning the Cy Young, Shane McClanahan. Who do you have for National League Cy Young? So for my NL Cy Young, I'm going with a little more of a mainstream guy. I don't know if he's the first guy that you'd ever think of, uh, but he's definitely someone that should be in the conversation. I'm talking about I'm talking about Max Fried. Uh, I think he's going to be the NL Cy Young. He finished second last year. I think he's going to get you a lot of innings, which is which I think will be valuable to the writers. He threw 185 last year, 165 the year before. Um, he's been very good at not giving up home runs and not walking people. I think maybe we see a rise in strikeout rate from him this year because he has been under a guy per inning for most of the you know dominant portion of his career. Um, I see a, I see a, him taking a, another step forward somehow. Uh, but I'm going with Max Fried as my Cy Young pick. Yeah, so uh, my National League Cy Young pick is the uh, only pitcher riding two straight qualified seasons with a 140 ERA plus or better and a sub 3.50 FIP, and that pitcher is Max Fried. Wow, We're matching. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I like Max Fried as a as a as a Cy Young candidate. Above average strikeout numbers last year. Elite walk numbers, elite batted ball profile through 185 innings as well, and I don't know. It it just seems like it could be his year. It does feel like it. Like the way it was Paul Goldschmidt's year last year, it feels like this is going to be Max Fried's year. Right, and and like you know, with these NL pitchers, there's a lot of good NL pitchers, and some will have their years. I know at some point it'll be Zach Wheeler's year, but I think this Aaron year, Nola's year, Aaron Nola's yeah. year. You know, at one point it was Zach Gordon. Allen's year. Right. At one point, it was it was uh, Corbin Burns's. You know, last year it was obviously Sandy Alcantara's. I think this year it's Max Fried's year to win that NL Cy Young. Um, all right, AL MVP. Yeah. Um, I so I made a Shohei pick and a non-Shohei pick. Obviously, yeah. I'm taking Shohei Otani because if if you if you don't pick him and you're wrong, you're just gonna hate yourself. So my non-Shohei pick uh, is Adley Rutschman. And lo- I loved seeing the, the steps that he took in such a short time last year. Uh, he had the third highest position player F war from like June on last year behind only, uh, what was it? 
Manny Machado and Aaron Judge, I think it was, or Nolan Arnato and Aaron Judge, that's what it was. But I really love Adley as a good MVP pick, especially as a catcher. Uh, you know, I think there are possible steps forward he could take offensively. Defensively, he's already got himself figured out. He's a good base runner, too. Uh, so I'm going with Adley Rutschman as my non-Shohei pick, but I am ultimately taking Shohei. Yeah, uh, AL MVP, I'm, I'm uh, also taking Shohei Otani. Oh my God, we match. Yeah, we match. No, no <laughs> way. Yeah. Dude, I didn't think you were – I thought I was being under the radar. <laughs> I did pick Kyle Tucker last year. Yeah. Um, didn't work out, although he had a good year, but he was not close to no. Otani's level uh, or Judge's level ultimately. Um, so, yeah, so I have, like, alternate candidates too. Yeah. Um, so with Shohei Otani, let's remember – he had 666 plate appearances and had an expected WOBA in the 98th percentile. He also faced 660 batters as a pitcher and had an expected ERA in the 91st percentile. Uh, only way I see him not winning is if he misses like at least a third of the season. Um, I think injuries are the only thing that could be in his way, and we haven't seen that in the past few years mm-hmm. at all. Um, so I think uh, Otani's on track to win that MVP it would be really hard for Judge to repeat what he did last year. While Otani, like he was, he was in at the plate. He was unlucky. Uh, he he was, uh, I think, sixth unluckiest in slugging minus expected slugging out of eighty-one hitters with uh, four hundred plus batted balls. Yeah. So there's potential Otani could be even better this year. Judge, it would be hard to see that uh, come true. Um, my alter, my runner-up candidates include uh, Jose Ramirez, obviously, yeah. and uh, Corey Seager. Who knows? We'll s- we could see uh, second time taking Corey Seager on this show. Uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 throwing him out as a mention. Yeah, but you know he he's uh, someone that could break out, especially you know he's a shortstop, so he has that mm-hmm. advantage um, to uh, to climb up the ranks. And I think he was a, I think he was third in MVP in his rookie year. Um, so yeah, was, I think he was too. That was pretty cool. <clears throat> um, who do you have for NL MVP? Um, I have the. I've never had to think about this award in all the time that we've done this show. Uh, I'm taking Juan Soto, and I'm going to do it every year until he wins it. Yeah. Uh, because the year that I don't pick him, he's going to win it. So I'm taking Juan Soto as my MVP. I think in a, he said in an interview that he was seeing the ball the same way that he saw it in the spring of 2020, where of course he went on to. Uh, have an OPS over 1,147 games. So it's very encouraging. I think in his first full year in San Diego, he's going to adjust more nicely. Uh, you know, he, he was struggling a little bit last year, but he sort of did figure it out over time. Uh, I'm taking Juan Soto as my NL MVP. Yeah, that's, um, well, I think that's four years in a row, yeah? Yes. That's all four, all four predictions episodes you've had. Uh, Juan Soto, I picked Juan Soto last year. I'm not repeating. Uh, that's that is that is your that's, that's my move. That's a that yeah. is a Daniel TM. Um, so what I'll say about the NL MVP: there are two National League players to have six win seasons uh, in the in the past two years, according to Baseball Reference. Uh, two National League players. One of them won Most Valuable Player last year, and one of them will win Most Valuable Player this year. And the latter is Austin Riley. Uh, I have wow. Austin Riley as my National League MVP. The, the, the national, the MVP, and the Cy Young will be from the same team with Max Fried That's and Austin Riley. Cool. That is a very fun pick. So with Austin Riley, I think he's a young guy uh, who has consistently been hitting the ball great. Uh, no one in the National League has had more barrels in the last two years than Austin Riley has. 
Um, only thing you could say about him is defense and defensive evaluators have always been weird about Austin Riley. So they have been, yeah. I think last 2021 year... 2021 was like Fangraphs and Savant completely disagreed on him. Yeah, so who knows? I know um, it'll help his B-War. It'll subtract from his F-War. Yep. But uh, I don't know how deeply the writers dive into that. And if he has like a... If he has like a 10.50 OPS potentially, I don't think they're really going to be thinking about that. So um, Austin Riley is my uh, National League MVP. Um, all right, question time. I, I didn't write any questions. That's fine. I have five. Awesome. All right. On what day will we get the first sub-two-hour game? On what day will we have this first sub-two-hour game? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I do not believe we've had one in spring training, like a full nine in the game. Um, so there was one last year, right? Between there was. the Rays, Rays and Cardinals. Cardinals. It was an hour fifty nine. Um, I'll <clears throat> I'll say I'll say uh, May twenty seven. All right, that is a Saturday. Um, oh, you you know you yes. know the the days around that week for yes. sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, May twenty seven. I'll say. Okay. Uh, over under 9.5 pitch clock violation strikeouts or walks, meaning strike three or ball four comes on a pitch clock violation. Over under nine and a half during the season. Um, I'll say, so is it a thing where it's like automatic where like yeah. everybody has to stop? Yes, automatic walk or strikeout. And like, does the umpire have to call it, or does the clock just run out? And the umpire calls it. I don't. I mean, I don't I'm think gonna it say, really makes a difference. I'm gonna say under because I think I think umpires just don't want to mess with that. I think they're okay. they're pretty old school too. Um, and as long as it's not egregious, like we'll see that in football with the play clock. Sometimes it'll be on zero for like a full second, and no one calls anything. Mm-hmm. So that's just my feeling. I don't have anything to back that up, but that's just my feeling. I think it'll be under. All right. Over or under 250 league BABIP on grounded ground balls. It was 241 last year. I think the highest it's been in the Statcast era is 249. Um, Will we get a 250 <clears throat> BABIP on batted ball on ground balls? On ground balls. Um, in yeah, last year, uh, I think it was uh, 241. It was. Um, I'll say uh, I'll say over because I do think, although I do think that analytics departments will figure some things out to counter that. I think it'll take a little bit, so I don't think they're going to be. I think they're going to have data to swirl around with this year, but um, I think there's going to be some more things getting through. You know, that's literally to to make that change. It would have to be one hit, one more hit every 100 ground balls. So I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. Um, The next one over under 0.5 qualified hitters with a BABIP over 400. Ooh, good question. I believe the last time we saw it was Yohan Moncada in 2019. Right. And, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think a lot of the, yeah, the the players the players who have higher BABIPs, I feel like don't get shifted a crazy amount. Yeah. Um, they're usually faster guys, um, so they typically don't do that. So I'll say under. Okay. I'll say under for that. And my last question, this is a definitely more ARR-based question. Who will be the last team to be featured on How About That? It Ooh. was it was the Mets in 2021 and the Reds in 2022. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that, that question has a lot of layers. Because it does, because 
I don't want to say like the A's because I feel like we will jump at any opportunity to talk about an A's player as soon as we can. Yeah, and it also requires like in order to be a how about that, you you can't really be a top player. Mm-hmm. We've never done a how about that on Shohei Otani. We've never done a how we about that. We never will. On, we never will. We'll never unless do it. unless he like falls off and then comes back. Like yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll do one on Cody Bellinger if right. we need to. But in 2019, I would have been like, yeah, there's no shot we're doing a how about that on Cody Bellinger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so like a team, if if you're a top heavy team, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to get as much recognition. I I imagine that we didn't have, we didn't have a lot on the White Sox last year. That's exactly the team I was thinking. Um. But uh, so as far as a team, a a good, a top heavy team who I expect to maybe underperform is probably where I should go. Yeah, and I don't think that's your that's the White Sox for you. Um, I'll say, not Giants. Giants have a good amount of under the radar players. Mm, um, maybe the Phillies. Okay. Phillies. Not a bad, not a bad one. Because they were pretty late last I can't year, wait too. To, I can't wait to do one next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for Bryson Stotts to have a 2,500 <laughs> OPS in the first week. Yep. <laughs> I'll say Phillies. Because um, I think we were they were like fourth to last last year, so who mm-hmm. knows. Ooh, you know what we got to do? We should we should end this episode by doing uh, by doing matchups. Um, oh, yeah, right. Because yeah. we're talking about live baseball. True, we should do that. Um because, yeah, that starts on Thursday. Uh, all right. Now, um, postseason predictions. Yes. Um, who do you uh, – so, yeah, do you have, like, seeds and stuff? Mm-hmm. I do. All right. What do you got? AL, so, AL wild card. So, I'll just tell you, like, my one to six. So, in the AL, I have the Astros with the one seed. I have the Blue Jays with the two seed. I have the Guardians with the three seed. And then my four, five, six, I have the Mariners – I have the Yankees, and I have the Angels. I'm I'm taking the bait. I I made a comment earlier tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> Went out over the airwaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mentioned earlier that the Angels played this game. It's like a challenge of the try not to believe in this team challenge, and I'm falling for it. Yeah. So I will. Maybe I'll be a fool in June. Maybe I'll be. Maybe I'll be right. But I'm taking the bait. Yeah, it's the it's the last chance, really. Yep. <laughs> uh, AL one through six, I have Astros, Blue Jays, um, White Sox, uh, then Yankees, Mariners, Rays. Okay. Um, not too different from last year. There's gonna be an. I think it's no, it's not the same six. There's gonna the be an AL East team in the two, four, and six seeds. There's mm-hmm. gonna be an AL Central team in the three seed. And uh, Astros and Mariners will be in the one and, one and five. five. So, yeah. not too much creativity from Gianta today. In the NL. In the National League, who do you got? So I have the Mets as the number one seed. I have the Padres as the two. The Cardinals as the three. And then in my wild cards, I have Dodgers, Braves, Brewers. Uh, the only subtraction is the Cardinals. The only addition is, uh, or no, is the Phillies. Sorry, I do have Brewers over Phillies. Yeah, uh, in my playoffs, I'm worried about that injury history, and plus they just barely made it last year, and I think the Brewers have gotten better. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, America, uh, yeah, the Philly, there, there is a good they amount do to a, be concerned with the Phillies. Yeah, they do. They did add Trey Turner, which is great. Yeah, um, but yeah, National League one through six, I have 
uh, Braves, um, then Padres, and then uh, Cardinals, obviously, is three. Mm-hmm. And then four, five, six, I have Dodgers, Mets, and Phillies. So it's, uh, yeah, no no additions to the playoffs, which I know Boring. Will, not, will not happen. <laughs> I know will not happen, but those are those are my predictions. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, how do you have the AL wild card going down? Sure. So I have Angels over Guardians um, as the six three. If the Angels can find their way into the playoffs, I really like that rotation and that lineup. Obviously, in a short series, um, I think it's definitely one of those cases where you know, it's all about which bullpen gets hot and. You know, the Angels have that potential, certainly. But I really like that squad in a short series against pretty much anyone, honestly. Um, I also have uh, Mariners over Yankees in the 4-5, and that's the AL. And in the NL, I have Brewers over Cardinals. I also like that rotation a lot. And I have Braves over Dodgers, which is very funny to picture that in the NL wild card. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, for sure. AL wild card, um, I have Rays over White Sox in the 6-3. Um, and then I have Mariners over Yankees in the five. I think the Mariners are really specifically built for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's it's an anomaly that they. It doesn't feel right that the Astros swept them. It yeah. feels like they won a game because they. I mean, they should have won game one. Absolutely. Like uh, it, game three, they had a lot of good moments. They just couldn't score. And, and uh, even yeah, and it, even game two, they were leading at points. Yeah, they were leading two nothing to start that game. Yeah, um, they had so, a big comeback against the Blue Jays. They embarrassed them on their home turf. Yeah, they they have a a good team built for the playoffs with how deep their bullpen is, how great the top of their rotation is, um, and you know they they can fill in their moments offensively. They don't have a dreadful offense, so they can fill in at their moments and and do well in the clutch moments potentially i know obviously that's just kind of happenstance but yeah um and then in the nl i have uh phillies over cardinals uh part two (laughs) and then i have dodgers over mets um i I have the dodgers as the only home team winning in wild card uh nice week i guess uh all right uh league division series i have blue jays over angels uh, I do have the Angels run ending in Toronto. I have Mariners over Astros. I'm going for it. Uh, I that could look stupid, but also it's it's March. Who cares? It's March, yeah. uh, and then I have Padres over Brewers. Uh, <laughs> that would be an absolute stomping. Yeah. Um, and then I have Braves over Mets. Uh, um, the Mets would be the home team in that case. Yep. Um, in the ALDS, I also have Mariners over Astros. Nice. I think it's more basically to shout them out because that. That wasn't. It was, I know it was a sweep, but it wasn't really a sweep. And uh, I think the Mariners, just men- mentality-wise, would be a little more um, ready to go, a little yeah. more playoff experience. And the Astros are—they're a great team, but they're a little less than they were last year, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, at least without uh, Verlander. Um, and uh, and then uh, the other ALDS, I have Blue Jays over Rays. Um, in the NLDS, I have Braves over Dodgers, and then I have uh, Padres over Phillies. Um, Do we have the same CSs? Um, I have Blue Jays, Mariners, Braves, Padres. Yep, we uh, we do. Nice. Yep. Uh, <laughs> of course all right. we do. What is your LCS? All right. Uh, I say with the Blue Jays over Mariners. Yes, and I have that. Braves over Padres. I also have that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I 
yeah, I have um with Blue Jays over Mariners, I think the same way the Mariners will overcome the Astros, the Blue Jays will overcome uh, the Mariners. And I also uh, don't forget about playoff Toronto, especially if they get yeah. a little deeper than last year. Yeah. So um, just to recap, we both – wait, are you are you going to go over the other one? Um, and, yeah, Braves over Padres. Uh, I don't know. I just think the Braves are the deeper team. Yeah. All right. So we both have Blue Jays and Braves in the World Series in 1992 rematch. Yes. All right. On three, say your winner. One, two, three. Braves. Braves. Nice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So we Look have the same CSs, we have the same World Series, and we have the same winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's well, peak ARR right there. Peak ARR. Um. We're- yeah. Core wow. values. Mm-hmm. <laughs> core, val- <laughs> core values of ARR. Um, yeah. Well, that does it for... Um, we got to do matchups. For predictions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, matchups. I rearranged my phone app, so I got to go to the MLB <laughs> yeah. thing. By the way, uh, there's a new feature that I'm definitely going to use for our F4 League on MLB on the MLB app, where instead of teams or ed- in addition to teams, you can also follow players. Where it's like you get a notification where it's like, I don't know how often it works. I don't know if it's like this guy's coming up to bat or if it's just like, hey, Mike Trout homered. Right. I don't know exactly. I I would be weird if it was just like Mike Trout grounds out in the bottom of the fourth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Angels and Mariners are tied 0-0. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. So, yeah, uh, for those just popping in, if you haven't um, ever listened to – Above Replacement Radio in the regular season. Uh, every week or every episode, uh, we preview, you know, what we have ahead, um, you know, at least the the series ahead. Uh, I talk about the team matchups, you know, series to watch. Daniel talks about day by day, the pitchers that are going and, and uh, the specific, you know, pitcher-on-pitcher matchups, which I'm yeah. sure there's a load of. Oh, yeah, uh, opening day is going to be tough, but not a lot is announced after opening day. So I think for... for Pitching matchups, I'm just going to do opening day. I'll okay. skip the other ones. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, in terms of series to watch, um, there's a there's some decent ones out there. Uh, Astros, White Sox, I'm, I, I'm sure the Astros have the advantage, but there's some star power with those teams. Um, Cardinals, Blue Jays, I, I have both as uh, division winners. Um, you know, interesting to start an interleague game yeah. uh, for opening day, but... Uh, Cardinals hosting the Blue Jays. It's the Colby Rasmus game. Um, shout out to him. Uh, along with that, uh, Guardians Mariners. A uh, couple of young, fun teams uh, playing against each other. And yeah, I'd say, I'd, and uh, also Rangers Phillies. Um, those are. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got to see this. This just happened in the Phillies <laughs> spring training game. The Dejirio Muto. Hang on. Just this is such a wild thing. <laughs> Wait. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't even looking. If you're listening, check out the JT Real Muto Jackson. It's pretty weird. Uh last year's I have to get to is uh Rangers Phillies. It's just pretty talent stacked. There's a lot of great players that are going to be in that uh, in that game, and I think they're Sunday night baseball too. Yeah. Um, Wait, who is it? Phillies and Phillies Rangers. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Is oh wow. You know what's so funny? We're still getting like 
Nola versus DeGrom on opening day. Yeah. It's like nothing's changed. <laughs> um, I'd say the best series to watch out of that watch value-wise, um, either Cardinals, Blue Jays, or uh, Guardians, Mariners. Yeah. Uh, but those are both on different coasts, so mm-hmm. you can check them out at different times. So we got some fun opening day matchups. I'm just going to go through every one. Uh, in Braves-Nationals, the first, well, one of the two first games to, to get underway, we have our NL Cy Young winner, Patrick Corbin going against Max Freed. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the opportunity there and I had to do it. Um, obviously, other way around. Yeah. And Giants-Yankees, uh, Arson Judge's first game with the Giants. That's uh, exciting. Aaron Judge's first game back. Yeah, we have Logan Webb versus Garrett Cole. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, the most riveting matchup is in Orioles-Red Sox at 210. Kyle Gibson versus Corey Kluber. Yeah. Uh, two Cy Youngs in that matchup. Who can just be more 35? <laughs> Who can be more 35? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brewers-Cubs, you have Corbin Burns versus Marcus Stroman. Tigers-Rays, a couple of lefties in Eduardo Rodriguez and Shane McClanahan. Phillies-Rangers, Aaron Nola versus DeGrom, like we previously mentioned. Fun one in Pirates-Reds if you're... Uh, if you're like us and you appreciate under-the-radar starters, Mitch Keller versus Hunter Green. That's going to be an intriguing one. Rockies, Padres, Herman Marquez versus Blake Snell. Blue Jays, Cardinals, Alec Manoa versus Miles Michaelis. Twins, Royals, Pablo Lopez making his uh, his Twins debut against Zach Greinke. You have, uh, I'll, say, I'll skip that one. Uh, in White Sox-Astros, you have a 2021 playoff rematch. Dylan Cease versus Framber Valdez. Uh, in Angels and A's, you have Shohei Otani versus Kyle Muller. Yeah. <laughs> one of those guys is awesome, and the other one is Kyle Muller. Um, in Diamondbacks and Dodgers, you have Zach Allen versus Julio Arias. In Guardians Mariners, you have Shane Bieber versus Luis Castillo. And the matchup of the night comes from Mets Marlins in Miami. It's going to be Max Serger versus Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Four total Cy Youngs in that, in that matchup. Uh, it's going to be a good one to watch. Yeah, that's... Uh... Appointment television for sure. Um, hopefully, I don't have too much going on on Thursday. Uh, it's that I'm really excited. Yeah. Just just hearing those matchups and whatnot, even hearing like yeah, Green versus Keller. I'm like, damn, like that should be that should be interesting. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Like, that, and that's like the Green will keep the Reds in the game. That's like the thirteenth most exciting matchup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, that's all we got. Um, that that's all. That's. Not too much. Only only like two hours and fifty minutes. Only uh, the best for the last show before opening day. Yeah, predictions. This is what I will say. This is like the closest we can get to like a state of baseball address for both of us. This yeah, is, honestly, yeah. Like this is where we stand on all thirty teams. Uh, this is where we stand on a lot of players and what we expect of them. Um, you know, outside of the players to watch and whatnot, but those guys mm-hmm. are always under the radar. Um, so this is the closest we can get to like a state of baseball address. Uh, mm-hmm. So hope you enjoyed it, um, and hope you're going to enjoy what we have in store uh, for the regular season and, and beyond that. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me uh, on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Um, Yeah, we hope you enjoyed the season's predictions episode, and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking about Major League Baseball games for the first time in, uh, in several months. We will see you then.
This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.